0: Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football.
1: Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the the Blue and and White White Brothers.
0: Brothers.
1: (laughs) Two brothers, two takes, one One team. team. Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to the Blue and White Brothers. Uh, We got a special bowl season episode for you here. We're going to preview Penn State's bowl outing. Uh, We're going to talk about a lot, actually, today. There's a lot going on. Uh, But before we get into all that, uh, bro, happy holidays, man. Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas. How you doing? Yeah,
0: I'm doing pretty good. we're kind of dealing with some technical difficulties uh, today. I, I've had to swap the microphone out because well, I'm back in my parents' um, closet. I think yeah, that's and it's the like the Bermuda problem. Triangle for for technical
1: difficulties. It seems to be there's yeah. probably like there's probably like um, metallic shards in the walls there's that are copper in- <laughs> floating
0: around. There's asbestos. <laughs> I'm sure that's playing a role here somehow. Toxic mold. No, none of that's happening. But it, but I, it is just a place. That we, for unbeknownst to us, it creates feedback and static, uh, and it just happens to be the quietest room in this house because it has no no windows and and there's there's nothing going on in here except for this uh, you know ongoing problem of the microphone. So we had to swap uh, to a different microphone. So if I sound differently today, uh, it I apologize, but also it's gotta sound better than Andy did in the last episode. Oh my gosh, that was. That was a major, go major ahead and explain problem. yourself for last. I episode. can't.
1: I can't explain myself. Yeah, we well, gotta, we it, use a we use a um uh, an online tool called Squadcast to do these recordings, and like you you have to select your microphone, and I I, I had the the right microphone selected, but apparently it it used my laptop onboard microphone so it sounded like i was so, talking in a so tin the, whole can the whole time
0: we're recording we have no idea that the the audio is being grabbed from Andy's last <laughs> episode
1: of the season
0: by the way yeah so you're so, like to we're andy. not going back you had to listen to, to andy in the the worst form uh, of his I've voice for hours to like eq it i'm not you an know we, engineer, and we but. we have long from the beginning of this podcast last season prided ourselves on how we sound quality wise from a from a sound quality standpoint and you know because we've we've been for years listening to other other Penn State podcasts and You know, it's just it's annoying to hear people call in or or uh, You know and and using their their iPhone microphones or yeah, it's just frustrating. I mean, it, it it's just like sounds bad
1: Your one job is to make your audio sound good. It's a podcast or crime. Yeah, out. right but anyway, so yeah <laughs> Apologies uh, friends uh, that's uh, you know, what you get with an amateur podcast apparently. But, um, I, uh, enough of that. Uh, I, I did want to just wish you all a happy holiday. We're here uh, recording on uh, the Monday after Christmas, December 27th. And um, Tom, do you have a good Christmas? I know you and Kate drove back from Denver uh, just a few days before Christmas. Got to spend yep. some time with yeah, mom we, and dad. We
0: drove, uh, took two days as per our usual two days of, um, you know, we usually do 12 hours per day of driving. Um, uh, actually, what's well, longer than that, but it's it's 12 hours of actual, excuse me, dropping my cell phone. <laughs> two, <laughs> (laughs) 12 hours per day of actual driving It ends up taking longer Um, That drive does not get any shorter No matter how you slice it Um, But luckily we had sunny weather The the whole way as opposed to Any sort of wintry mix Of any kind Um, So all we had to deal with was contending with The sun blinding us most of the day Um, But yeah it was a good trip And um, our little dog Taxi Made it with us and uh, She had a a rough fall as uh, Not fall as in Fall, but uh, an autumn, as in she's been dealing with kidney failure. So we didn't want to um, traumatize her on the airline. So we—that's how why we de- decided to to opt the the driving route. And she made the trip just fine. Nice. Um, yeah. I, for me,
1: uh, I wasn't going anywhere. Uh, we actually just got back from a uh, quick overnight on uh, my in-laws in Delaware. But for me, the the Christmas season was, you know, a really really good one. Because it was the first time in two years we actually got to have a Christmas Eve service at church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Last yeah. year, because of COVID, we were doing Christmas Eve services in my living room.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it was really weird. And it's like, you know, I mean, w- Turning off the computer at the end of the service and like looking around at like Eileen and my kids, I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's that. <laughs> you know, it just felt really weird. So it was really nice to be back in the sanctuary, uh, you know, Silent Night with candlelight and uh, Joy to the World with a brass quintet. It was great. Um, so uh, and then yeah, nice visit with my in-laws uh, yesterday and uh, on Christmas Day and uh, excited to be
0: uh, thinking about. College football now as uh, we move toward New Year's Day, as we keep our fingers crossed that that uh, our game's true, you know, isn't going to get canceled like forward. the rest of these games that are happening.
1: Yeah, so here's what we've got coming up for the episode today. Um, we're gonna finish the episode with a preview of Penn State's bowl opponent, who's gonna be Arkansas playing in the Outback Bowl, of course. Um, but uh, before that, we're gonna we're gonna look at bowl season in general, just sort of what's happened and what's coming up. Uh, we're gonna talk about some major coaching changes and an administration changes uh, at Penn State. Uh, of course, last show we uh, you know let you know that Brent. Prior had departed, but uh, we filled that vacancy. We'll talk about that. Um, also had signing day and some things moving in the transfer portal. So Penn State's roster for next year is going to look uh, different and some exciting things happen in there. Uh, maybe touch on a few other tidbits around uh, the college football world. And then, like I said, we'll finish up the last half hour or so with a look at the Outback Bowl. Um, So let's get into it. Let's talk about uh, what's going on in the college football world right now with our usual start of News and Notes. News and Notes. Yeah. So back uh, all the way on December 5th, uh, they had the, uh, the selection show and this unveiled the top four teams going to be in the quote unquote playoff. Um, and that's when we found out um, later that afternoon that uh, Penn State in a, uh, for me, was a huge shocker, was going to be playing on a New Year's Day bowl. Uh, The Outback Bowl, which Penn State's uh, played, I think this will be their fifth Outback Bowl. And we're playing a ranked team in number 21, Arkansas, an SEC team that made waves earlier in the season. And I think it was definitely, you know, we're playing up to a a stronger competition this year. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Of course, get into that later. But yeah, I mean, bro, were you shocked as I was uh, when we were announced for the Outback Bowl on January 1st and who our opponent was?
0: Um, you know, it's funny because I, on a whim, had turned ESPN on that morning, um, or whatever time frame that was. It a morning? I don't even know when that sh- was. Or it or okay? It's so I, afternoon. Yeah. I turned it on that afternoon um, uh, and caught that that show where they, um, you know, highlight the playoff. And it didn't even occur to me that we would be getting our bowl um, bid, you know, selection that later after that. So I, I was <laughs> shocked that a we learned. Who we were playing, and and or that we were playing in a bowl game, or you know that, who we were playing, and I certainly did not anticipate uh, seeing a an upper tier bowl selecting us. I we you know we had heard like oh maybe the Las Vegas Bowl, maybe the what's the one that's down in Nashville? I don't even know the Music City Bowl or the or, yeah there was or the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. The Guaranteed I think was Rate that bowl, was the my one favorite I was bowl name of. of all time. Is that one in Charlotte? I forget. Anyways, then the Pinstripe Bowl was. Um, yeah, which I was not excited about right, going but, to. But it. you know, those were the things I was anticipating hearing. And then when the gate, uh, the excuse me, the Outback Bowl came through, and with a you know an Arkansas ranked matchup, it was like. Hey, I was like, "Oh, cool! We got a good bowl game," and then I was like, "Oh, are we <laughs> right. even gonna be able to win that bowl game? You know? Are we gonna be able
1: to look, uh, you know, rem- remotely uh, competitive in that bowl game?" <laughs> well, yeah. So, so we won't even get into all the particulars of. <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, so like for <laughs> me though, I would say, given the season that we had. I was kind of excited by the bowl matchup. Now, you know, by the end of the game, depending on how it goes, I may be a lot less excited. But to me, you know, when you're talking about players opting out for sort of subpar uh, bowls because they don't want to injure themselves. Like to me, this is like a January 1st bowl. Outback bowl has definitely always yeah. been a second tier bowl, like similar to maybe the Citrus Bowl or or uh, some of those others. And uh I, I was excited. I mean I feel good for these guys. They've had a rough two years. Um you know last year they, they could have gone to a bowl but ended up deciding not to. So I, I've I've been hearing from the team that there's a lot of excitement about playing in this bowl. Um and I think they should be excited. Uh, you know, maybe that excitement and having a you know sort of a, a team that they're going to have to play up to, maybe that will motivate them. Um, as opposed to having a letdown kind of situation, maybe they'll maybe they'll play excite, You know, with with a little bit of an edge and a little bit of something to prove.
0: Yeah, we'll get into all of that stuff. Uh, yeah, move, of moving forward in the in the program here. But let's uh, move forward and in, in during our opening here. Yeah, sure. Well, so I mean, it,
1: you know, thinking about Penn State's bowl and like how it could have. We could have had like oh the pinstripe bowl or the guaranteed rate bowl or whatever it is like this sort of the dumb bowl and like it brings to mind like as as bowl season is just sort of on the verge of like really opening up. Uh, what is the significance of of bowl games these days, bro? Like, I mean, where do you see it at in terms of like excitement or importance or whatever in terms of uh, you know the college football world these days? Um.
0: I mean, do you like, I, I think that everything is trending. I mean, regardless of what I think a bowl game means to me. You know, and, and, and the tr- traditionally what a bowl game means to a team, traditionally speaking, you know, we have lost the the luster of the postseason play with just the over-inundation of all these bowl games. Like, there are too many bowl games. way too many. Way too, many. Way but, too but, many. But because, because you have made, because of money and ESPN, we have made too many bowl games, and yes, people t- tune into them, but no one's showing up to them. I mean, for for the love of Pete, you know, you have Ohio State uh, returning a third of their bowl allotment. Meanwhile, their opponent in the Rose Bowl,, um, Utah, they can't get enough tickets. They are out they have asked for more tickets. So you're gonna see an overwhelming uh, Utah representation. In Pasadena, and and you're not going to see Utah players opting out. You're going to see Ohio State players opting out, um, and and you're going to see not as many Ohio State fans there, because the the Ohio State is you know they have made a statement by without making an actual statement that that hey if it's not the playoff it doesn't matter to us.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, the
0: fans have said the same are saying the same thing too. Mm-hmm, yeah. So regardless of whether or not we as fans, Penn State fans, you know, we we <laughs> what what you know, we obviously showed out for the the Rose Bowl a few years ago when we when we got in, and that was that was amazing for Penn State to get in. But Ohio State, if it's not the playoff, they don't care.
1: So you know, a couple of years ago, the the Cotton Bowl, you know, and and I know that was a New Year's Six bowl, but yeah, you know, Penn State did not like the they did not travel for the Cotton Bowl. Like they no. would have for, you know, one of those other bowls, and and t- a lot of that had to do with the matchup. I think, you know, yeah, I don't got, think we anyone the, felt the like at
0: large, uh, yeah.
1: non-power
0: five matchup.
1: I don't think anyone had any illusions that Memphis was, you know. Uh, this year's Cincinnati or a couple years ago's UCF or whatever Boise right. state from a couple years ago, you know, it, ago. Was, it wasn't a great matchup. And that's, I think that's another problem with the bowls. I mean, I know they're trying to do better in terms of getting decent matchups, but I would say at least 50% of the time, the matchups are bad. It, it you know, and, and it, that, that definitely depresses things. I think this is an interesting matchup for Penn state, which is part of why I'm interested. In it I, I think if we had played say UCLA in one of the bowls which I think was one of the possible matchups that would have been an interesting matchup but there were definitely a lot of matchups that I would have been like who cares you know um and uh there, there are a bunch of those bowls out there you know' just like why why are we why do we even care about playing this game it's not interesting well it's,
0: it's a it's a it's a TV money grab for, absolutely in, in a, in a you know these bowls these these organizations that run these bowls know that there's a market for them to to sell this product even if it's a 6 and 6 florida team you know that that lost huh. to UCF the other day and whatever bowl it is that's also being played by the way in the same a sad and uh, season the outback bowls <laughs> in know. but you know it's just you know between like players getting injured in these meaningless bowls um you know <laughs> and speaking of that florida game uh, uh, against UCF um, the other day that UCF beat Florida, at the end of the game, uh, Justin Shorter, the Penn State wide receiver transfer, got injured. Uh, took a nasty upper body shot for like from above the neck, like neck and above shot, and he was down on the field and got carted off. And what looked to be a head or neck injury. Thankfully, he was, um, you know, not detri- You know, he he was gonna make a full recovery. His family came out and said later, but you got to think that these Penn State players. Are seeing their old teammate getting injured, and you, you got to make them. You, it's got to make you wonder if they're thinking to themselves: Is it worth it for me to play in a game that isn't at, that important? If right. if my future in the NFL, um, you know, possible future in the NFL is at stake in these games. You yeah, know? we're going
1: to talk a little bit about some of how the opt out uh phenomenon has hit Penn State. Um
0: well, but, I have a I have
1: a reason for bringing
0: it up Andy. Yeah, exactly. and, and and that reason is because you know uh you you might see players opting out more and not might you will see players opting out more and more and more moving forward and 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 that's because these games don't don't really matter in the the grand scheme of how um we view the these teams, you know. So Basically, where I'm going with this is if you expand the playoffs, Andy. If you expand the playoffs, you make these postseason games matter more. All right, and you you like you rank you rank all these teams. You know, there's a top 25 every week, both preseason, during the season, postseason. But why? what, What does it matter if you're ranking the 25th ranked team? What does it matter? Why are you ranking that 25th ranked team? What's the purpose of it? Just for fun? But what if your rankings actually did matter in terms of how these teams are going to shake out and get seeded in a playoff? So, we're, you know, for you, you know, when Penn State, um, what just was held out of the, um, you know when they made that Rose Bowl bid, and they were just held out as a two-loss team, in Ohio State um, got in over them. You know we were like, oh, if we had a, if this were an eight-team playoff or a six-team playoff, Penn State would surely be in. And it's like, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's enough because really, it still minimizes the postseason, and all these bowl games are still meaningless. All yeah, the, I, I
1: really, I mean, f- from a playoff perspective, and I know there's been some trouble even getting to. Uh, you know, an eight-team playoff that just seems like to be where things are stuck right now. Some people want twelve, some people want eight, and I, I, to me, I think twelve is the bare minimum. Sixteen would be even better because part of what you have, and and this is this is ESPN's doing, by the way. I just mm-hmm. want to say, like mm-hmm. ESPN plus the SEC have really made a mess of things, and uh, it's really irritating. And I uh, and I, I don't I, like I be there are very few things I like about ESPN right now, um, because of how they've wielded their influence and it's not been good for the sport. It's been good for ESPN because they basically have a, virtually a monopoly on everything college football, but it's right. not been good for the sport. Um, but, uh, you know, y- you've got to find a way to get sort of the, the human factor, the, the, the prejudice basically, uh, toward these, you know, marquee teams. What happens is the committee goes into this dark room, and they have a, a result that they want, and they can find whatever you know, whatever reasoning that they care to trot out to kind of justify this decision. That from one year to the next, they they use completely different justifications. There's no consistency whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know. And and the umbrella rationalization of over all of this is, and I've heard like I've heard Kirk Herbstreit say it many times. I've heard all the commentators say it so many times. It's not the most deserving team. It's not the it's not the team with the best record. It's the it's the best team. And like, yeah, well, what that's, is the that's, best team? That's your what? How no, do no, no, you no. determine so, what so, the best
0: team is? How do you how well how can you determine what the best team <laughs> is in the current you're system? Gonna- it's in the current system, it's people's opinions. That's dictate, exactly what I'm saying.
1: You know, and and therefore you therefore you find ways to justify your decision, even though it's inconsistent from one year to the next. So, so to, I, I told
0: you uh, when we were trying to like you know plot out this episode earlier today, um, Todd McShay, who I, I largely enjoy Todd McShay from ESPN, you know, more or less, but he. Came out and said uh, a couple weeks ago, prior to all of this, you know, the selection committee choosing the top four teams, he came out and said, you know, hey, I'm I'm putting Ohio State in the playoff because they're a better team than Cincinnati, and it's like. Um, Ohio State lost two games, one of them pretty badly, another one to a, a lowly Oregon team that kind of, you know, has flamed out at the end. But he said because he just thinks that Ohio State is a better team that they should be in above Cincinnati. And, and Andy, so... Yeah, and by the way, Todd McShay is an ESPN, ESPN guy. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: so Right, and like ESPN has a vested interest in getting the most eyeballs, which, of course, Ohio State is... is you know, uh, a team that has a huge following. So it's it's, it's tremendously, uh, you know, th- there's a huge incentive on the part of ESPN to get an Ohio State as opposed to a Cincinnati into the playoff.
0: And here's here's what we don't we we don't do for college football when we are looking at these teams. We don't look at like we look at the whole season. We're like, hey, this is they have the best resume, and it's like, well, guess what? Some of these teams with the best resume might not be playing their best football leading into the postseason. AKA Georgia getting spanked by Alabama. Totally. You know, so I mean, you know, Utah is playing Ohio State. If Ohio, if Ohio State gets pummeled by Utah, who's to say Utah couldn't continue on and 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 just you know be the right team at the right time, the right place, playing their best football moving forward in an expanded playoff. You know, in 2000, um, what was it, 2017 when, was it Central Florida went undefeated, that's 2017 season? Yeah. Was, that, was that it? Um, I think Sounds it was 2017. Right. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was. it was 2017. So they went on and played Auburn in the Peach Bowl. Going into that game, Um, when when they won their their conference championship against Memphis, number twenty Memphis, they were the twelfth ranked team in the country. So they finished. They went into that uh, that uh, Peach Bowl being ranked the twelfth best team in the college football playoff, twelfth. So you know they and they went on to beat number seven um, Auburn in that bowl game. So if they if they were in a 12 team playoff they would have gotten in and they could have beaten a, a higher seed in Auburn or whoever they would have seeded against whatever you call it but they might have been a team that could run the table you know but they didn't get a chance you know
1: what, the, the only thing the only thing you can't argue with in college football and I know a lot of people say, oh, it on the oh, field. Argue, uh, yeah you can't argue with the win or the loss you know
0: so uh, like no, i, I no. think that uh, the, more you take, a, the more you take Committees and rankings and votes for for these yeah, you know exactly. games out of the hands of these people, the better chance you, you have minimize. for the most deserving team that proved it on the field, and and that's where I just think we should go because I'm t- I really am sick and tired of this like uh you know yeah dog but and we, pony we show. Have, we want to have it, yeah. So we, you have the semblance of a
1: quote unquote playoff, which it shouldn't. I think you said in an earlier episode like we shouldn't even be calling it a playoff exactly it's, it's not a playoff it's a it's an invitational something absolutely four, absolutely. four teams is not a playoff absolutely but but some we're trying to have a semblance of a playoff you know the legitimacy of a playoff uh when all you're really doing is you're perpetuating the same sort of system and cycle and and the rich get richer in terms of the best teams absolutely you've got to broaden that and you like you said the the broader you make it the the less you're putting like sports writers opinions um you know media personalities athletic directors opinions obviously going to have to have some sort of selection process but the wider You make that process, the more likely you are to avoid the sort of prejudice and preconceived notions about which teams are really actually good and which teams aren't, making excuses for the good teams that somehow lose and making, you know, negative excuses for the teams that look, you know, have been undefeated, like, you know, UCF a couple years ago, but you still find a way to say they're not that good. I mean, uh, they're just, there are a lot of teams that are sort of in that nine and three. Level of record this year that could make an interest have an interesting case for being a competitive team. You know, I mean, look at Oklahoma State, look at N- uh, Notre Dame. You look look at some of those. Uh, I mean, Ole Miss, for example. You know, they they had a bad game against Alabama, but Alabama lost a couple of. Uh, games as well. So
0: well so okay, so I, I like anyway. that from a from a fairness standpoint. But here but here's also what y- you're seeing. I mean Ohio State has players opting out of their Rose Bowl game. You know? Out yeah, of their Rose Bowl point. game. make the season count. Yeah, you make the postseason count. You know you and that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. So, make so the here post-season. let's say you have uh you know the top 16 or top 12 teams, whatever it is Playing for a national championship, which by the way, that would put Pittsburgh, the ACC champion, in an op- with an opportunity to you know w- win a con- or win a national title for their conference, mind you. Which by the way, right. You know, right. so, so the Big Twelve is held out, the um, ACC is held out, and and you know, obviously outside of Cincinnati, twelve is held out. The pick the Pac twelve is is held out, but you you won't get these you all have these two power. Think it out this year. You have a two.
1: Power Five conferences represented in in the quote unquote playoff.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and how many coaches would be jumping ship year in and year out to the to try and get a better shot at, at you know what they perceive as a better um, path to a national title. Brian Kelly and you know, yeah. um, Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Riley. You know, <laughs> so so maybe they 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 don't leave because hey, every year we have a shot at winning a national title here for sure. It's not going to be a favoritism. It's not going to be you know you don't Notre Dame won't be uh, needing to join a conference or being you know um, exactly you I know mean, whatever
1: a, it means a runner up in like a sixteen team playoff means a runner up in a Power Five conference has a good path right to the national championship absolutely you know so um so i you know and it's not just the sec uh, you know fanboys that that are going to say oh we're the best i mean so prove it on the field and stop whining about all uh, you know all of these uh, you know Threats to your SEC dominance because I mean it's uh, the, sk- you want Sankey, the best players. Shanky, his th-
0: well, wh- who's their commissioner? <laughs> Skanky, Sankey, yeah, SEC S- Skanky. Sanka the coffee. sanky Sankey. Man. Sankey. Sankey.
1: Um, <laughs> I'll take a. i will take I mean, he's one of the main holdups for for moving to a twelve team playoff.
0: Yeah, he is. He is certainly trying to because he just pulled in Texas and he just pulled in Oklahoma and he's trying to protect the SEC's ability to have a monopoly on on their you know total. Not letting the the the, um, the have nots not letting the have nots in on their yeah. territory, including just, the Big Twelve, by the way.
1: Yeah. Last thing I want to say on this rant is that SEC, uh, excuse me, the ESPN has also ruined bowls in their ridiculous scheduling. Oh like, yeah, they they yeah. are scheduling these bowls in just the worst possible way, including having the semifinals on January. No, on, excuse me, on December thirty yeah, first, yeah, on New Year's Eve, when everyone yeah. else was going to be out like going to a party or whatever, it's like you got to choose between: are you going to watch the semifinal or are you going to go out and like actually be social with friends? And uh, it, it, I, I don't understand. I mean, the, like Penn State's playing on New Year's Day, so that's great, but like, why aren't you putting the semifinal game on New Year's Day when all of America has off? and can, you know, New Year's Day, the traditional major bowl game day, and ESPN's chosen to broadcast it on New Year's Eve. I'll I tell you understand. why. It's because they think they'll get more overall viewers by doing that, but what you've just done is you've completely deprioritized and and, and removed the ability for more people to enjoy the truly consequential games, which are the semifinal games. On January I don't 1st. Under, that, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, they again, they're... They, the number of bowl games in general, you know, where you're 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 playing bowl games before Christmas now, and
0: there's just not a lot of excitement for me around around bowl season much. You know, th- these there days. there was a time when when a marquee bowl game not being played on January first was regarded as like ridiculous. Agreed. You know? Yes. you know, and you know want to know what the first major bowl game was that wasn't played on January first? You have to tell me. Miami Penn State national championship game and it was on the second, wasn't it? It was on the. It was like one of the first. They're like, you know what? Screw it. We'll move it to the second, and we'll just ha- we'll have our own prime time. You know, it, you know, uh, battle in the desert. Whatever they called that game, I forget what they called that game. But um, slippery slope. It, it, we, well, yeah, we were the that first was, step on the slippery yeah, slope. Yeah, but now, but now it has be- Yeah, it, the slippery slope has now become just a giant uh, pit of mud. Essentially, everything is rolled downhill. you know, into the, uh, for into the all of that, of I'm
1: uh, for all of that rant. I'm I'm sure I'm going to end up watching some of these bowl games. Oh, um, yeah, you know, I'm I'll wondering which ones the- you're interested in watching. I mean, which which are the most which are the like ones that you're kind of most interested in watching?
0: Well, it's interesting. I mean, I would be very interested in Oregon, Oklahoma, but, you know, those coaches have all yeah, left which, by and- the
1: way, which, by
0: the way, they're in the Alamo Bowl.
1: Yeah. Yeah. On Wednesday. On Wednesday the 29th. What's it? 29th of December. By the way, at 9.15 p.m. Oregon and Oklahoma. Meanwhile, you've got Penn State, Arkansas on January 1st. (laughs) So, like, what the heck?
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, Doesn't I'm interested sense. in a lot of these games. However, I just I don't know if all the games that are on paper are going to be the coolest matchups between cool, you know, fun, exciting um, teams and schools. I don't uh, know if they're all going to have their their actually their big decent guns. games. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I don't think Kenneth Walker is going to be playing. Uh, well, I, Kenneth Walker and Kenny Pickett will not be playing in their bowl games. I don't believe.
1: And yeah, that's Pitt, Kenny, Pittsburgh, I mean, Michigan State, the Heisman Trophy runner-up uh, Kenny Pickett for Pitt. Is is you know could be the first quarterback off the board? Yeah, and he's not playing in his bowl right. game. Right? Yeah, this is so. the ACC champion, Pittsburgh.
0: And guess Panthers. what? If, if you had you know a twelve or sixteen team playoff, both of those teams would be in would it be in. for sure. Same with yeah. Oregon, Oklahoma. Oregon, they, those both those teams would be in a playoff if there were sixteen teams. So would Lincoln Riley have left if he was going to be playing, have a shot exactly. at the national title? Yeah, right. No, I I think I think I mean I don't Would know why Mario we're Crystal tr- Ball have gone to Miami.
1: Look, the bowl system is broken. It doesn't serve anyone except ESPN. I think you just you know we're trying to sort of hold the old the olden days when it was just these nice invitational. You know, let's go to a warm climate at the end of the year. Wouldn't that be fun and nice? While at the same time, we're also trying to have a legitimate. Crowning of a national championship. Well, you just can't have it both ways. Just scrap the bowls. Do a playoff like every other serious, you know, league in the entire world right now that has a that has a true playoff. Just just scrap the bowls. Do it right,
0: and you know, fix the end of the college football season. That's what I think you got to do. So, I mean, you, it, I would be very interested in Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, but. Oklahoma State doesn't have their defensive coordinator. Notre Dame doesn't have their head coach. It's just a total like, you know, throw it all up in the air. Like, who knows what we're going to be getting with these games? You know, from a competitive yeah, standpoint. True. Yeah, you don't know. I mean, so th- there's bound to be if you watch. They're not the same these, teams that you know exactly we, we that you saw all during season. the season. Not let alone, let alone if you open the the expand the playoffs to sixteen teams. Guess what? You can't wait a month before you start playing those games which, by the way we have happening right now how dumb is it that we have like I mean I think it's something like 25 or 26 days or maybe it's more and in some cases is less of course but that teams will not be playing for three or four, almost four weeks before they play their um their bowl game or in in the case of the college football playoff you know <laughs> that's just like after the season a month and a half after the regular
1: season is ended
0: it, it's just you know, you might as well just expand the playoff and get these games going after maybe you know you give you give them all a, a, an initial like week off or whatever yeah, however it works exactly. out exactly you know let and then them, let them d- take
1: finals or whatever they need to do for school and then go ahead and get the games going and, and yeah, you get I mean three it, or four weeks you'll still end. You'll still end the playoff at about the same time. So I don't know it's what It's a multi-billion
0: about. dollar industry that you're yeah. trying to say you can't do something. Trust Baloney. me, you can. <laughs> yeah. And guess well, what? The, the FCS does it. The, other, the lower divisions do it. And, uh, They've been doing it for decades. Like I said, every, every
1: serious sports program in the world has a playoff. Right, it's just idiotic that we can't do it. All right, look, we're gonna we're gonna be done with bowl season, uh, ranting and raving. <laughs> um, we've got some other uh, news and notes types of things to talk about, and and the biggest of those is, of course, uh, Penn State uh, announced their new uh, defensive coordinator to replace Brent Pry. A really huge get in my mind is Manny Diaz. Um, you know, he had a really tumultuous end to his tenure at Miami Um, he was their defensive coordinator for a few years and then he was promoted um, well I guess he wasn't promoted he took the temple job um, head coach job, and then like 10 days later, they sent him, they offered him at Miami the head coach job at Miami after was it Mark Richt uh, was fired, and then he, before he Mark even Rick coached at Temple. I don't think I think he
0: retired, technically.
1: Uh, maybe, that might be the case. He
0: hasn't worked um, since, let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, so, he, you know, um, before Manny has ever Spent more than a you know blink of an eye at, at Temple, um, he was hired as Miami's head coach. Um, but he had a really, I mean, he's a very great defensive coordinator pedigree. Um, even though his head coaching tenure at Miami um, wasn't great in terms of on-field, I know Coach Franklin has said that there's a lot of uh, similarities in terms of doing things the right way. Um, Manny Diaz uh, apparently, you, you know, has a very similar philosophy to. Uh, to James Franklin um, is going to continue a lot of the things that Brent Pry did in terms of attitude and approach. By the way, a little tidbit, Manny Diaz, inventor of the infamous turnover chain. So that inventor. guy's coming to Penn State. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had, I mean, we had, had a- in 2000, what was it? 18- or maybe it was 19, we started having all those kinds of chains on the sidelines. I think it was 2019, because I think that was Clifford's first year. There was like the Lawn Boys, and then there was the, you know, all those those things were happening on the side. We haven't been doing that the last couple of seasons, because we've been pretty bad over the last two years. But, um, yeah, that was, I guess he was the DC when when the turnover chain started down there. Um, Now, I don't foresee us bringing the turnover chain to penn state and in fact i hope we don't yeah, no i'm just um, saying not though, like, that kind of school really but the, but the attitude that
1: that sure diaz brought you know of like being aggressive and like incentivizing turnovers and um you know making it a a, a point of emphasis um you know i remember that miami defense like they were they were a fun defense to watch, even though they were annoying because it's Miami and you don't, you don't, you know, want to root for Miami. But like you know, I, I could, I could be really excited to, for Manny Diaz to bring that same kind of sensibility and attitude to Penn State. Well,
0: I really hope what he does, if anything, is I really hope he um, brings some swagger to the to the linebacking core. Yes, so that's please. what I need because because you know for for. You know the opt-outs in this bowl game of um, Ellis Brooks and um, Brandon Smith. Um, you know while they both played pretty pretty darn well, there are top two tacklers. Um, you know I I don't I haven't seen that swagger that we had when when Micah was was playing and um you know re- playing relentlessly all over the field um you know when we had Navarro Bow- Bowman Sean Lee Michael yeah, um, yeah, Paul Michael Paul Papa's Lesney, Dan Connor those guys played ruthlessly and I I just haven't seen a ruthless tenacious linebacking core playing you know as a, as a trio as a as a as a unit you know game Game by game, you know, series by series, it's just, you know, there's been games where you're just like, ah, I want more from that unit. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, there there have been whole seasons at Penn State where the linebackers are a tremendous problem to be solved by any Mm -hmm. offense who faces us, and it just has felt like, well, the last few years the linebackers have been talented, they just haven't. Uh, created that level of problem. As a core. As a core. As a core on a down-by-down basis. Right, exactly. And and I I agree with you. I mean, in a lot of ways, like, you know, Brandon Smith is uh, as talented a linebacker as Penn State's had. You know, he's up there in terms of raw talent and athleticism. But... You know, guys like Paul Pazlezny or Sean Lee, who I would say, you know, with all due respect, were great linebackers, were not nearly the athlete. They were far more formidable, uh, uh, you know, a linebacker. IQ standpoint,
0: hard-nosed standpoint.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and, and, instinctual standpoint yes. like playing uh, downhill not not over pursuing under pursuing or just right. be, get, being blocked out of plays by because you're in the wrong gap um yeah, they just had better better noses for the football in in a lot of respects. So um, you know, even going back to you know 1999 when it was LeVar Arrington and Brandon Short, even the yeah, third man. linebacker there, Mac Morrison, was regarded as an incredibly you know. Great linebacker. I mean, you put Mac Morrison up against a bunch of other great linebackers in the um, in the Big Ten, and Mac Morrison was still, you know, doing his job better than most. But he just was overshadowed by two greats, all time greats. But you know, so it's just been a while since you had that. To me, linebacker. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying.
1: To me, linebacker, you is not simply about having a Micah Parsons on the roster. I mean, that's part of it. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's more than that. It's an attitude. It's sort of like, you know, if the, if the defensive line is the brick wall, then like, these are the attack dogs behind the brick wall that don't like, should you get through it? You're not going anywhere. And it just hasn't felt like we've had that for the last few years. I, I do hope Bannon Diaz brings that, um, you know, we, we've seen the secondary perform a lot better this year, which is really exciting. And sort of on the heels of the Manny Diaz um, announcement, we also heard some other really big news on the defensive coaching side, which is that Anthony Poindexter, our safeties coach and co-defensive coordinator, is returning after there was some thought that maybe he was going to be the new head coach at Virginia. Um, I don't know if he didn't get the offer he wanted or, or he didn't get offered or whatever, but it looked like... Think like for a day or two, it looked almost like a done deal, and it turns out he's coming back to Penn State for this next yeah, year, he, and that's going to be a he huge.
0: Yeah, he said. You know, the, the time I, we didn't. I didn't uh, get the quote here, but basically, he said, for lack of having the direct quote, he he said that you know there will be a time and a place for me to to you know whether it was taking that Virginia job or getting another head coaching job, there will be a time and a place for that. He said, but my time. Uh, is here at Penn. It is for for me to is to remain at Penn State under the the leadership of of James Franklin. He specifically mentioned yeah, it was to remain under the leadership of, of James Franklin
1: and deferential yeah. to James Franklin. So he and will like- be
0: our our defensive coordinator for that bowl, for this bowl game. Um, and I I think the I think the DC. Um, uh, responsibilities for this game are in good hands under uh, Poindexter, um, and and if you remember from a couple seasons ago, our Ricky Ronnie left uh, to go be the old Dominion head coach, and the offensive coordinator responsibilities and play calling responsibilities on offense fell to Tyler Bowen. So we, right. we're we yep. not, we're not, we've, we've been through this before. Just now, just now dealing with it on the other side of the ball with having a different play caller in, uh, during a, a consequential bowl game.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I think, um, there's a, you know, Anthony Poindexter, he's very highly regarded as a coach. Obviously if, uh, you know, a guy who's a, a few steps down the totem pole at Penn state is In the conversation for a head coaching job, it shows how highly regarded he is. Um, You know, one of the thoughts was that that Franklin needed to offer him the defensive coordinator position at Penn State to keep him around when that obviously didn't happen. And I'm curious, bro, what you think about, you know, bringing in a guy like Manny Diaz as opposed to promoting Anthony Poindexter.
0: Well, I mean, it's one thing, you know, for for Poindexter to have not taken the Virginia job if he was offered. It's another for him to come back and remain in the exact same position, and and James Franklin hires somebody from outside the program. So it, it's it's <laughs> maybe we'll never know how this sh- shook out because maybe James is like, oh, I got to pivot and hire Manny Diaz. So I, I guess what what was the timeline? Did Manny Diaz get hired? many has got hired after Anthony Poindexter decided to come back, but was that already in the works when James looked like he right. might have been losing Poindexter? Because James did mention right. in in the press um, leading up to all this uh, stuff going on that he's like he's like right now one of my key jobs is keeping this coaching staff intact. So you know losing. Um, Brent Pry, you know, after after losing Brent Pry, he said that he sa- he made that remark. So he was trying to keep Poindexter either where he was or considering moving him to be the DC. I don't know if he was considering moving him to be the 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 DC because that that was just conjecture from the media. I think just based on the fact that he was co DC for a season. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I. I I would not have been surprised. Let's say, let's put it that way. If if Anthony Poindexter had been offered the the you know, defensive coordinator job, oh no, I gotta definitely say, not. I f- I feel like Manny Diaz is probably about his best. I mean, I I don't know defensive coaching around college football nationally. I don't not that uh, it, you know I'm not that plugged in to know. But like Manny Diaz seems like a big get for Penn State, and you got to really hand it. to Well, James he Franklin. said he wanted a head coach um, you know, for the
0: defense and he got a head coach yeah. for the defense. <laughs> he sure did.
1: He sure did. And you know, y- you wonder if this is going to be a one-year stop for a guy like Manny Diaz, one or two years, you know. And so maybe maybe Anthony Poindexter's, you know, the next defensive coordinator after he gets a chance to learn under a guy like Manny Diaz. But um, well, uh, you know, you, you got to wonder you, you oh, go well, ahead. hold on, hold on, hold
0: on real quick. You got to wonder when Franklin's hiring these guys, is he saying at All in any way, like hey, um, can I get a, a bare minimum two year commitment from you? You know, we'll offer you a four year contract, right. but please stay like one and done does not feel like that suits any major top coach. But you know, if he, if the defense Except balls out, next, <laughs> right? If the defense balls out next year. You can't stop it, obviously. You can't, you can't, you know, a contract can be broken no matter what, as we've seen a thousand times over the last decade in college football. But so, you know, being able for Penn State to hire Manny Diaz, you have to believe that what Franklin just signed with Penn State, the extension or the, however yeah. you, you word it, um, you have to believe that the allocation of resources from Penn State to James Franklin's ability to hire a big name DC, big who, time. If, there has to be, you know, money in the pocket for that to be able to happen. Because it's a very good th- point. This might be the biggest hire Penn State has ever made outside of a head coach. I, I, that's a really great point.
1: You know, I mean, even even the guys we're bringing in as. Um, uh, you know, offensive coordinators the last couple of years, like these were, you know, in some ways these were step up guys. I mean, even Mike Yursich, um, uh, you, you know, he, he's not he, up to that point been in the national conversation. You know what I mean? Like he he's not the top I mean, of the top guys. I, you,
0: you, yeah. Listen, you can say that, but but for the people that are in deep in college football news, Yursich is a big hire. Yours is a definitely big hire. He had he had been coaching at Ohio State, Texas, and Oklahoma State leading up to to Penn State hiring. So you, you say what you want about his ability and what he did this year, but that's a big name hire because of where he was and what he's done to this point. And same with Manny Diaz. Even, dude, even Kirk Shiraca was looked at as a good hire for Franklin. Okay. So yeah, so I, Franklin's it's, it's last point, but Franklin's all I'm, last line three is offensive and defensive coordinator hires yeah, have all been lauded in the media as positive hires, regardless of how they've worked out. Every single one of those hires were splashy hires that Franklin has made. So he's leveling up from a from a hiring standpoint. Because even it, you go back to Joe Moorhead, you know whether or not yeah. that was at the time regarded as a splashy hire, it was a splashy hire. Um, you know, after looking yeah, at Franklin it for a season. put Joe
1: Morehead on the map.
0: Absolutely, yeah, he really did. I mean, that's so, a Morehead, very good point. For, and and I, I guess Joe Moorhead on the map. Or Joe Moorhead put well Franklin
1: on the map. <laughs> Franklin gave Joe. That's an interesting point. Franklin gave Joe Moorhead the platform, sure. uh, that Absolutely. he needed to to have to be in the national coaching conversation that he's been in since. I would say, you know, and it's a good point because, like, you know, we, we've been a little down on Franklin this year, and rightly so. Um, and and one of the things we said, you know, one of the things we said coming out of you know, the end of the season is like Franklin's got to get his coaching situation in order, especially with Brent Pry coming out. I mean, we've been reliant on the defense the last couple of years to keep us in games, and we really can't afford to take a step back. And again, I just don't think, in my mind, I, I don't see a better coaching hire than Manny Diaz. I mean, it's about as good as I would have hoped for. You know, I mean, we, we talked about a f- couple other names, but – I just think it's a great hire. I'm, I'm I'm excited about what we could see out of this defense
0: next year. Let's put it this way: Franklin's future at Penn State will be dictated by how Yursich and Diaz conduct themselves as Penn State coordinators. If That's in very if, true. if over the next two or three years he doesn't get production from the offense and or defense. I don't you know. see Franklin coaching past his third or fourth year in this contract if if we're still middling or worse. I agree. Yeah,
1: and uh, you know, again, who knows how these you know things are going to work out in the long run. You know, did, is this Yursich's sort of growing year, and next year is going to be this explosive offense because we're going to figure out how to run the ball finally, or or you know, if if Yersuch continues to be middling, and that hire is definitely going to be on Franklin. Right. And Absolutely. similarly
0: with defense, if we, if we, especially, tank- especially if shiraka goes back to Minnesota and like <laughs> lights it up, oh, I know. not only lights it up in the Big Ten West, but if he, if the, if Minnesota plays <laughs> us so and funny. does it again and not, it's know. not funny, but yeah. Oh my gosh. Because um, by the way, if we haven't mentioned shiraka went back to Minnesota <laughs> yeah. after, after a, a year uh, off. Oh, yeah, he was he was an analyst, I think at West Virginia or something like that. Maybe um, a couple other things just to like talk about in like the Penn State
1: administration world. Uh, a major news uh, in the last month is that Penn State hired a new president, uh, a woman named uh, Neely Bendapudi. Uh, she. Um, is wrapping up her tenure as uh, uh, the president of the University of Louisville she's been at Kansas and Ohio State before that in uh, high up in the administrative um, realms and um, really we've heard a lot of good things about her obviously this is coming from press releases and things like that but even you know some of the um, the news outlets at Penn live and um, state college news outlets are um, s- seem to have some very um, complimentary things to say about her. Um, she's someone who has a lot of integrity. Apparently, transparency. Faculty uh, at her previous institutions really appreciate her. Um, and she was at Louisville at the time when uh, there was some controversy. I don't know uh, if you remember about this, but I guess the um, the founder of Papa John's, um, who uh, ha- had made. You know, admitted to making a, a racial slur on a on a conference call or whatever. Um, he Papa John's was the sponsor of the Louisville uh, Cardinals Stadium, and um, she made a decision, kind of unilaterally, to remove that name from the stadium in the wake of that controversy. So, you know, um, she's had some experience in you know big big time athletics and and some of the ways that that can affect the uh, um, perception of the university. It'll be interesting to see how her time at Penn State goes, but that's a major, major change. Um, she's the first woman who's president of uh, Penn State. She's also the first um, A person of color who is the president at Penn state. So uh, kind of a historic appointment on a number of fronts and it'd be interesting to see how that plays out
0: between uh, hiring Franklin as a a coach of color at at Penn, you know for Penn State football having Sandy Barber be the first female uh, athletic director at Penn State and now the president here uh, Penn State's been setting benchmarks for um you know uh, I- inclusivity and and um diversity here so that that's yeah, it's I, one interesting I, I, point to make here with the with the these uh major openings that we've had over the last you know decade at Penn State I'm pleased uh,
1: about that um you know and uh Pennsylvania, obviously a very diverse state, particularly when you get toward the uh, Western and Eastern corners of the state. Um, so I think it reflects well on, uh, the state of Pennsylvania. Um, my, my own family, I've got, um, you know, people of color in my immediate family, um, through adoption and through marriage. And, um, so for me, that's a value as well of like being able to give, um, folks who aren't, uh, you know, white, who aren't men, a chance to like you know, see positive examples. And, I mean, she uh, was
0: a unanimous. She was unanimously yeah. voted yeah. the the um, new president at Penn State, and she, um, you know, was a, uh, a dean of the School of Business at Kansas. She was the founding director of the Initiative for Managing Services at Ohio State University. Um, and she was at at Louisville. Um, she she was the. Um, uh, the professor of marketing at, 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 she was a professor of marketing at the, at the University of Louisville as well. So she brings a lot of interesting, um, uh, you know. Practices and and experience uh, to Penn State as a as a president. It'll be very interesting to see how that works out for the university itself, but also how that trickles down into the uh, athletic department. Because Sandy Barber will be needing a a replacement, um, I think, within the year. Correct? Or or okay.
1: So I did a little bit of research on because I think that's the sort of the third. You know, yeah. peg of the stool for Penn State football, right? You've got the president, you've got the athletic director, and the head right. coach. And so you um, just
0: re-signed Franklin. You just got a new president who is a you know a bi- a business person with a lot of um, marketing you know, experience. Yeah, it, yeah sense of
1: like yeah, she and she has said like her role is to basically advocate and and market the the university. And like obviously, you're not just putting out fluff, but like right. make sure the university's position in the view of the you know the state and the world is, is where it should be. Sure. Um, but, um, so Sandy Barber got a new contract in 2018, I believe, or maybe it was 2019 Mm -hmm. that runs through 2023. And at the time it was interpreted that that was, she was going to retire at 2023. Yes. Her office put out a statement after the fact that I just in looking that up today, found out that she clarify that she's not necessarily planning to retire in 2023. She simply made the statement that she wants Penn State to be her, quote, last stop. Are you sh- you're sure? About I just that? looked it up. Okay. Yeah. So so she's going to be 63 years old at the end of her current contract. Hmm. And um, so it's possible that she'll want to stay on longer. I don't know. But, you know, I'd say at least the uh, the potential exists for her to step down in just basically a year, which would be another huge sort of shift. Um, and I think whatever happens with Sandy Barbara, whether she stays or whether she goes, I would say it's unlikely to see any change for James Franklin's situation, uh, outside of something really egregious happening. Um, uh, at least in terms of the university, well, letting so, him go so- until after the new athletic director or Sandy Barbara's contract is renewed.
0: Well, so what's what's interesting about all of these pieces and how they, uh, you know, are, uh, if, if Sandy Barber is going to be staying or going or when that's going to be happening, is the um, the the like the future football plan, the the whole facility, all the facilities, Beaver Stadium, especially um, the the upgraded football facilities, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's all, you know. None of it has been officially put into place. There's just been like um, proposals, uh, you know, long-term proposal plans and trying to be trying to fund or, um, you know, go get funding for those things. And, And that's I think that's a big, big one for how Penn State does as a football program over the next several years and how we are able to um, realize those big, big plans because we're talking about possibly an entire facelift for Beaver Stadium um, which would be, you know, I imagine uh, millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And and also with the facility and, and the whole keeping up with the Joneses and, you know, with Clemson's facilities and probably what Lincoln Riley is going to be doing with, with, you know, USC's facilities and how Alabama's facilities look. And, you know, in terms of recruiting, trust me when I say Franklin is pushing that stuff as hard as he possibly can because his future is tied to recruiting (laughs) and how well and how he can recruit how can he he can market the school
1: yeah to these recruits uh, truly um you know having some of those basic pieces in place you know is gonna it's gonna help determine whether or not those plans are going to go forward in the way that's going to be advantageous for penn state football um the other thing i just wanted to say and, and like on the president um the new president is that again i I mentioned this before but she she comes as a reputation of someone with transparency and integrity and it really seems to me that like you know penn state in retaining franklin one of the reasons i think you got to assume they retained franklin is because he's a known quantity of someone who is is has developed a program that's doing things the Penn state way, you know, the success with honor way it's not win at all cost. it's win the right way. And the new president seems to be someone, as far as we can tell, who, who holds those same kinds of values. And uh, I, you know, I think, I think that bodes well for Penn state, you know, going forward, how do you navigate this current context of hyper-competitive, extremely obscene, you know, monetary value being put into these, uh, programs without losing your soul. You've got it. You've got to have character, uh, at the people on the top of the program. Okay. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes, but we've also got uh, some more big news to talk about with, uh, Penn state players. Um, we, brought in a huge signing class this year was signed you know just a few weeks ago uh we also have some big updates in terms of players from the current team who both are coming back and who are not coming back and um why don't we start there bro uh why don't you take us through the teams uh the players on our current team who are both leaving and staying that that we've learned about up to this point
0: well so far, you know, a lot can still happen both between now um, and the start of the start of the football game this coming Saturday. Um, you know, I, in some cases, we've had teams uh, in the past who have had players opt out, the, the you know, announce their opt out of the game and announce declare for the NFL Um on the day of their bowl games. Now, that's not to say that um, Franklin isn't aware of these these things happening. But Franklin has been uh, in the press saying that he is giving the the players the opportunity to to announce those things themselves. Um, so so far, we know that Clifford has announced that he's coming back for next year for his sixth and definitively final season. Joey Porter and Jair Brown have both announced they're coming back. taekwon Roberson is leaving via the portal. Enzo Jennings is leaving via the portal. Um, as well as Tyler Rudolph will be leaving via, via the portal. Um, Brandon Smith and um, Ellis Brooks have both opted out of the bowl game, are two leading tacklers, linebackers, and uh, they will not be playing. They're heading for the NFL draft, and they will not be playing in the bowl game. So that's what we know right now. Uh, we could have some more... Um, potential opt-outs for the bowl game. In my mind, we could be hearing from, or I expect to be hearing from uh, Arnold Ebicchetti. I expect to be hearing from Jaquan Brisker. And I expect to be hearing from... um uh, uh, excuse me, Jahan Dotson. Um, well, so Epiketti,
1: um, Brisker, and Dotson—like we know that those, they weren't coming back next year anyway. They're no, but I'm saying
0: for the bowl, bowl opt out. I'm so, saying but, like, between now and the bowl game, I expl- we'll talk about the bowl game in
1: a second and opt out. Okay. But like this is this is like a next year's roster um, segment, you know? Because we're going to talk about the Sanding day, guys. But just you know, I'm curious. If we haven't talked about, and we haven't had a podcast since. Sean Clifford said he's coming back for his sixth season. And I'm curious, uh, what do you think of that news? Is it good news? Is it bad news? Is it, you know, what does it do for you that Sean Clifford's coming back for his sixth year on the Penn State roster?
0: I mean, you can look at that as a glass half full. You can look at that as a glass half empty. You can look at that as a glass full. And you can look at it as a glass empty. But um, essentially, you know, uh, we'll do the our best here to have a glass half full um, point of view, because what we'd be dealing with here as a, a best case scenario is we have great depth and great experience coming back uh, with Clifford's announcement of, of returning. So th- therefore, I, I would imagine that Franklin would probably feel uh, an overwhelming need to go into the portal to get a quarterback, a proven quarterback, uh, if we were to to not have Clifford uh, coming back next year, so um, what better? Who who could possibly be a better piece to have on your team? Somebody who's. Um Played, you know, three seasons for you, or some guy who's come from a different system, from a different team, and and hasn't gelled with your offensive line, your offensive receivers, and your your team as a whole. And he's also going to be our fourth, you know, fourth year in a row captain, I would imagine. Um, and so it really gives the, the Drew Alar and Bo Perbula and Christian Vayu, of course, um, an opportunity to learn more from a guy who has proven himself over the course of several seasons with Penn State. Um, that's not to say that it's impossible possible that Clifford um, couldn't be our or wouldn't be our starting quarterback for the whole year it's very possible that um, you know uh, of, of the better quarterback wins out either in camp or during the season at some point um, it just gives Penn State more options essentially is what that does so I know some people um,
1: uh, you know I've heard from uh, are really worried that like James Franklin is going to go with the veteran Sean Clifford over maybe a better true freshman Drew Alar, for example, because, you know, we know Clifford and while he does some things well, he's shown that he does some things not well. So I think it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how Sean Clifford on the squad actually materializes. I think some people just wanted to force Penn State to move on, you know, and get sort of Sean Clifford out of there. But of course, we saw Kenny Pickett with Pitt had a had a tremendous final season at Pitt. Um, Sean Clifford certainly could go from good to great in one more season. But like you said, I think even more important is that depth issue. If uh, Drew Allar is really as good a quarterback as we think, and he's able to make a a case for himself as a starting quarterback going into the um, the season, you know, to I mean this year we saw how terrible it is not to have a capable stru- a backup quarterback.
0: I, I mean it- and now it looks like we could possibly have, you know, two or three b- good backup quarterbacks, you know, back in mean, first time- or in years, we have great quarterback depth. Assuming now, that's not to say Christian Vey, doesn't decide to move on. I was going to say, know. assuming <laughs> right, right. Uh, these four
1: quarterbacks stay on the roster. Um, but yeah, It'll be the best quarterback, quarterback depth. depth we've had in a while. Uh, in a in terms of,
0: time. you know, even when we had um, Will Levis backing up Clifford, even when we had uh, Tommy Stevens backing up Trace, behind those two guys, those backup guys, we didn't not have much any depth. So these are these are good problems to have from a depth standpoint for sure. Um, As as far as how I feel personally, you know, I I don't know if we've I don't know if Clifford has another gear like at least from a consistent standpoint of that highest gear. We've seen him at his best here and there. We have seen him at his worst. I think, you know, more, <laughs> more than, often than not, it exactly, feels like. Yeah, but now now is that a, you know, <laughs> um, I think I've talked about this on this podcast already in the past, but is that because he doesn't have an offensive line? Is that because right. he is always running for his life or getting beat up? Because Trace McSorley has been running for his life and getting beat up for years, and his progression and and development has not. It didn't. It didn't continue to trend in the upward direction. Trace did not trend in that direction. Clifford has certainly not trended in that direction, and so it 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 remains to be seen if Franklin and his offensive philosophy, his offensive line philosophy, his off- offensive line, um talent, um, and, uh, progressions. It remains to be seen if he can get the most out of a quarterback in their final year at Penn state, it yeah. remains to be seen,
1: you know, it, and it's an interesting question there. And, um, you, you shared with me, a, um, a fascinating profile article, um, in state college.com, uh, on Christian Hackenberg, where Hackenberg really, opened up in a lot of ways about sort of what happened to him during his time at Penn state. And he talked about a lot of uh, of the mental aspect and how the hits he ended up taking really kind of screwed up his, his mental game and his ability to really see the field and play instinctively. Um, you know, and some of that, you know, he was, careful not to really lay blame uh, on Penn State or the Penn State coaches. He said some of that's just his responsibility of not being able to kind of overcome those things. But he said, like, those factors are real for a quarterback in that position. And when you kind of lose your ability to, you know, to play instinctively when you're constantly looking for the next hit, that that mentality really affects you. And you just wonder if Sean Clifford has sort of taken that same – uh you know, path of just not being able to be like mentally, uh, capable of, of, you know, making good instinctive decisions because so often he seems like he's making the wrong ones. Um, that said, this will be his first time in his career where he's going to be able to come back and have the same coordinator coaching him the you Know one year after another when he's sort of been in the starting rotation, It'll so be his
0: first opportunity of having
1: that. So, you know, that's also part of it. Like, he's learning a new system each year. So, you're you know, how much does that slow down your mental process when you're like having to think through, you know, <laughs> wait, what did coach say? You know, as opposed to being able to just play instinctively because you've had the reps. So, yeah, who knows what's going to happen with Clifford? I, I think it's great for Penn State's depth and um, whoever ends up being the quarterback, uh, I, you know, I think there's. I think that's really positive uh in the in the grand scheme of things as long as you know it's not sort of like a loyalty thing where you're playing Clifford even though he's not the best quarterback
0: uh I don't know, think Clifford or Yursich excuse me I don't think Franklin or Yursich have the luxury of playing favoritism or or you know like seniority I don't think they have that luxury I you're, for Yursich it's like he has to perform better or, you know, suffer getting fired by Franklin potentially or, you know, Franklin yeah, true. has to do better or potentially suffer getting... Ca- I mean, if Franklin goes another year of, of being, um, uh, you know, having a losing record in the Big Ten, I, I like... Can he survive another losing record in the Big Ten? Can he actually, even yeah, after getting good that question. crazy contract extension and guaranteed money, <laughs> can he survive another lackluster year uh, from a win? I mean, dude, we're seven and five. We went from five and zero to seven and five. It's it's. Do we you know, have to and bring if it we up have again? The, I mean, if we I'm have really... the number one. Um, quarterback in high school, by the way. Again, even though Franklin didn't recruit Hackenberg, but Fra- Franklin will then have had two number one high school quarterback recruits, you know, in his tutelage. And if he isn't capable of doing something with that, and g- he will be re- shredded in the media and by the fans. I just he I, he won't be able to. I don't think he will survive it from a from a you know a, a publicity standpoint. You know, and then that means his recruiting will take a hit if he can't show his future recruits what he can do with these best recruits, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, still, though, I mean, that very pressure can lead you, like, let's not call it favoritism. Let's call it going with the known quantity,
0: right? You know, so so his he's uh, scared to pull the trigger on potentially Um, the younger, yeah, Yeah. taking a a big risk on someone who
1: has a high upside, but also potentially a well. So, which I mean, think about like does he have any instances of showing that he's Christian Veiu against Michigan State? mm -hmm. Like, why didn't we see him? Yeah, you know, I I mean. Kid did everything you could ask him. Obviously, it's get against Rutgers, you know. But I, it just, I and Clifford did not play poorly in the Michigan State game per se. You know, um, it's not like he lost us the game. So I, I'm not blaming the coaching staff. But it just seemed like. Hey, you've got a hot hand. You've got an injured quarterback. Uh, you've got a quarterback that's playing tight. Like, why not just go ahead and you know give the give the guy you know take the risk. Give the guy who had a great last game and played with you know a little bit of uh, you know fun and whatnot. Um, and that would be awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just like uh, <laughs> I I want to see some swing for the fence type coaching strategy mentalities coming through in in this offseason and in the preseason and in and in the season i want to see like this whole idea of franklin Fighting tenaciously to 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 find the right guys that can maximize their potential right out of the gate. Like I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, hear that like, oh, you know, we should have been starting this guy the whole time, or like for example, (laughs) here's a here's a great example: the running back room. And now you can put probably put a lot of this on on the offensive line, Um, but but even screw it, the offensive line. Like Landon Tangwall and a lot of these backups have been playing better in this in the um, uh, the Rutgers game uh, you know we, we saw the ability for the, the offensive line to play better you know um, in a couple of these later games with some of these starters out with injury or just like playing these younger guys to see what was going on and and it's just like why, why did you wait until we were already all the way down in in the the dumps to like th- decide to switch things up? You exactly. Know, in, so, in the running so back again, committee, the running back committee, you know, w- who has been the best running back all year? Right. Exactly. Why didn't you just give him the darn ball? So,
1: so that's what I'm saying. Well, like, that's
0: the risk, right? Like, and that's where yeah, I'll be, sure.
1: You know, frustrated if Clifford stays on because, like, I mean, we kept giving Noah Cain. Noah Cain got more carries, right, than Kevon Lee. Even though Kivon Lee was clearly the better runner all year right. in terms of yards per carry, so like there's a sense of like, oh, it's a known quantity. We're gonna stick with that guy. Uh, you know, I, I, it's not that they're playing favorites per se. Like Joe Paterno, you think like he definitely favored yeah, Joe class no matter played what.
0: Seniority. Joe Pat played seniority. I don't and- think
1: it's about favoritism. I think it's about like sort of mitigating risk. And when the pressure's on, do you go with a safe play as opposed to the play that can really. Uh, you know, do something spectacular. So uh, anyway, I think we've, I think in some ways we've buried the lead here because we're talking about Clifford coming back when the thing that's really exciting is that we've got the number six recruiting class in the country, okay? We have for the first time ever, and we've already mentioned his name, Drew Alar. We've got first time ever Penn State's recruited a five-star quarterback. He's going to be on campus this January. And, uh, you know, this is, in some ways, and I've I've made this case myself, in some ways, this is the opportunity that Franklin has been waiting for to show that he can get Penn State over the hump to have that big-name quarterback. Drew Alarm, according to some folks, was the number one overall quarterback recruit in the country, and he's coming to Penn State. He's going to be joined by four-star Bo Prabula, which, by the way, Sean Clifford, Four star quarterback recruit. So, our the the number two quarterback in our class is still a four star quarterback.
0: He might have been rated higher than Sean Clifford, too. Well, he, I, he very well Actually, may have wait, been. I'm just the, saying Clifford in some, by, Clifford was in a some respects. I think in some circles, uh, Prabula was a three star, by the way. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But, um, we
1: also, we, we've got a we've got two extremely highly rated uh, running
0: backs, uh, uh, I can't remember which was the four star and which was the five star. Catron Allen is the four star uh, out of IMG, I believe. If I, maybe i remember that yeah, correctly. Yeah, Nick Singleton. Nick Singleton's the, out the of Mifflin, star, right? Mif- yeah, out of Mifflin Town. Uh, Nick Singleton, by the way, National
1: Gatorade Player of the Year.
0: Yeah, Governor Mifflin. Um, We've got,
1: uh, you know, we got some great wide receiver talent coming in, including uh, Caden Saunders, one of the top wide receiver recruits in the country. Um, we got uh, some some great line talent coming in. Including Caden the-
0: Saunders is thought to be a better version of KJ Hamler, by the way. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> so, you know, we've got. Um, uh, Danny Dennis Sutton um, he's coming in Deny Deny Sorry, Den- Dennis Sutton Deny okay. Dennis Sutton he's coming in from We're Maryland learning. as a defensive end one of the one of the top defensive end recruits in the country
0: um who else we got, bro? Coming in, Jerry Cross uh, is a tight end who has been an outspoken uh, leader, torchbearer of this class. He was one of our first commits, and he has been all over social media touting Penn State and keeping this class going and forward in the right direction. We have Donald Driver's son, Donald Driver, the 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 great Packer, uh, who who was uh, getting thrown. Um, Brett Favre passes uh, to him, and uh, his son Christian Driver is a safety who's going to come in and be uh, an immediate impact kind of guy. Makai Flowers uh, will end up, you know, he's he's a high highly uh, touted athlete who will probably come in and play um, in the secondary with us. Um, Zane Durant is thought to be at the moment a little undersized, but thought to be a generational talent. on the defensive side of the ball, uh, I think he's supposed to be a D tackle. Uh, he has some room to grow. Abdul Carter is thought to be a home run linebacker. You uh, commit and uh, signee. Uh, so we got some guys in there, and not to mention Drew Shelton, the offensive tackle coming in. He's he's our highest rated offensive tackle in that in that class. Um, so by the way the only offensive tackle in the class mind you it's maybe a problem in yeah. and of itself but yeah. um, we're going to be looking to the to the portal very heavily for offensive line i'm I'm quite certain of that yeah but Drew
1: Shelton is a, apparently a, a, you know a tremendous offensive line talent um so that, that you know so i I would say uh, aside from the offensive line and especially when you think about skill players uh, this is a tremendous class i mean this is In some ways, a lot of these guys are going to make immediate impact. No, well, you
0: want them to. You want them to. You need them Um, to.
1: (laughs) But, you know, this is the sort of class that you can build, uh, you know, uh, say a national championship run around if everything falls right. You know, um, this is the sort of talent you need at these positions. And one thing that's, I think, very interesting in this class where – Whereas in previous years, you see some of the top-skill player talent starting with Penn State and then eventually going to some of the big-name programs, say, like Julian Fleming, you know, who went to Ohio State, or Justin Fields, who went to Georgia, um, and, and, you know, some others. Who is the Alabama receiver this year? John Mechie. Right, John Mechie, you know. So guys that were at one point committed to Penn State eventually end up Going somewhere else, while all of our top recruits this year committed to Penn State, stayed with Penn State. We lost one on um, on the day of an O lineman, a three star O line to um, to Maryland. Um, That's depth, but uh, that's it it is, and it's not great. But like, but you didn't lose Drew Alar to Ohio State, for example. (laughs) You know, you didn't lose Nick Singleton to.
0: You know, hey, speaking of Justin, just speaking of Justin Fields, we did lose Justin Fields to Georgia, mind you. He ultimately ended up going right. to the enemy across the border in Ohio State, but but guess who the guy was? Guess who the recruiter was that got Justin Fields to sign you for told Georgia me this today? <laughs> I know the answer. I wouldn't have known it. Uh, it's the the head coach of Arkansas, Sam Pittman, got got him to sign for Georgia, so he stole him away from a, a Joe Moorhead less Penn. State, yeah. Essentially. So, so, and by the way, by the way, you know, you're talking about like Drew Larr coming in, changing the game. If we, if we had signed Justin Fields, we might not have seen Sean Clifford ever. It's possible because it's it, true because because Justin Fields left Georgia after his freshman year, after he played a little and shared some time with with Jake Fromm. Um. Uh, so it, you know, he may have come in and played three seasons for Penn state and Clifford would have never seen, never seen the field and, and Drew would be coming in right now.
1: Yeah. That's crazy, man. Uh, <laughs> you to know, think about, you know, so, uh, you know, what, what might've been, but like we are getting in Drew Alar that, I mean, he's, he's got ai I've, I've, I've I don't usually watch recruiting videos, but I've watched a few videos of Drew Allar and like his arm strength, his accuracy, his mobility. I mean, he's everything that you could want in a top level quarterback, you know? Yeah. He, he, he just, the guys that you see at Alabama and at um, LSU and Notre Dame and Ohio State, like this guy has, according to the recruiting companies and, you know, from what I can see, he has
0: the level of, Ability. Well, he's been playing the appropriate level of competition to to merit this kind of hype too. Exactly. And and what what Franklin did as a as an elite recruiter, actually what Yursich especially helped Franklin to see was getting in on this guy on the ground level while he was still a three-star and no one was barking up his tree. You know, yeah. the 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 big dogs came in later, started barking up his tree after Penn State had offered him, and after he had already committed to Penn State. Notre Dame made a late surge for him. Some other teams were trying to trying to go for him, but uh, ultimately, this is where he when he committed. He he did not waver at all in any way. In fact, none of these recruits wavered, other than that offensive lineman who who switched to. By the way, that offensive lineman flipped on. On signing day to Maryland. And he did it with one of his high school teammates who flipped from whatever school he was committed to also to Maryland. So, so, um, recruiting wars are interesting. And, and Mike Loxley got two guys to flip on signing day. And they made a little bit of a, of a, like a PR you know like deal about it in terms yeah. of like you know hey we they're this did trying to get like what they call clout you know they're trying to get some some signing day clout to make some buzz but apparently in all the different circles that i've been reading about that in um it did not go over well it kind of looked a little slimy in yeah. some respects yeah. Yeah. not that i know these kids or what they were doing or what they were trying to do but it didn't go over well by and large apparently
1: um, well, the only other thing to take note of, I think, before we talk uh, talk about, um, you know, shift gears and start talking about uh, our bowl game is that we, um, you mentioned transfer portal, trying to get some offensive line depth. Uh, Franklin, um, in his signing day press conference, talked about a, a couple of needs specifically, um, but we do. N- know that we have one uh, transfer portal incoming. Oh, yeah. And and this is a wide receiver from Western Kentucky named Mitchell Tinsley. He was a um, you know, pretty productive wide receiver for them and and just for what it's worth, Western Kentucky's quarterback um, just threw f- for the um, most yards and most touchdowns in an NCAA season broke the record this year yep. for during their bowl game. Broke, bo- broke both Joe
0: uh touchdown record for yeah. a season and he broke that record, throwing a pass, a touchdown pass to our guy, our new guy, Mitchell Tinsley. The yeah, guy this said, is a
1: real pro style receiver, uh, six foot one, um, you know, over two hundred pounds, big guy, strong hands. Uh, Tom, I think you said you reminded, he reminded you of Chris Godwin a little bit.
0: Uh, actually, I said Deshawn Hamilton, but um, but he he has the right. the the. He has the build of Deshaun Hamilton with the ability of Godwin, kind of is how I I look at him. But, um, so he, and what's interesting about this guy is, you know, he's a, he's a transfer from Western Kentucky, but he was a transfer into Western Kentucky from a junior college in Missouri. So he he's coming in as he only has one year of eligibility with us because he did two uh, two years at Western Kentucky and he did I think two or three years prior to that um, at a junior college. So um, he's he's been he's a climber. He's gritty. He's you know worked worked his way up the ladder and he's he's been. You know, successful everywhere he's gone. You know, hopefully and he, he's he's going to be hungry. And he like... exploded this past season for fourteen hundred yards and, four, and fourteen Holy touchdowns, cow, and he had one hundred and twenty-seven yards against Michigan State. Uh, and I think he, he topped out at, at eighty-seven receptions this year. So he, I think he's uh, averaging roughly seventeen yards per catch, which That's is crazy. Is something of note. I mean, I, Deshaun, or excuse me, Jahan Dotson this year I think averaged in, in the eleven to twelve yards per catch range. Well, which is like down from his prior season, um, and he wears number five, mind you. So he's going to be replacing Jahan Dotson. Well, you know, so we're losing in, in position. And <laughs> yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. So we're losing Jahan Dotson. Um, look, looks like Parker Washington, Candry, Lambert, Smith our next two receivers are coming back. But yeah, we, you know, we're needing to find a next number one receiver, and maybe this guy will be it.
0: Yeah. Uh, so. We'll Real Look, quick, um, I'm going to move forward uh, for us yeah. here. We have a quick, a brief national news, couple of tidbits. One, Urban Meyer fired. <laughs> that was That's so we exciting. That. We don't even need it's to like get into all news of it. now. But like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's um, just the other it's thing to note a is a wonderful um, train wreck. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do not much to say yeah we don't have to derail us
1: um but yeah it's good to see uh good to see justice served or something Mm -hmm. like that but anyway um the other thing is um we were tom and i were talking just on and off throughout the season about the incredible year micah parsons is having and just thought it would be worth noting here um you know he's uh, he looks like he's you know, I, I can't imagine anyone else is gonna get rookie of the year. They are he comparing might be, they are comparing him to Lawrence Taylor. He might be defensive player of the year outright this year. Um you know, it's he's possible. making that he big of an impact cl- and his numbers are so great.
0: He just logged his um, 12th uh, sack of the season last night against the Washington Redskins, and he made it look so easy. Uh, he is a sack and a half away from the record set by Javon Curse, I think, in 2007 or was it 2003, The maybe? rookie record? The rook- Yeah, the rookie sack record. He's a, he's a sack and a half away. Um, and, uh, you know, he is the only player in the last 25 years to have over 75 tackles and over 10... Um, sacks as a rookie. So he is in legitimate, like, r- rare, rare, legendary air. And it's, it's just, I mean, he's got two more regular season games, I think, right? Is that how that's yeah. working out yeah. these days? Two more regular season games to get one and a half sacks. And I would be surprised and shocked if he was unable to do it. And that's not even to mention the fact that they're going to be in the playoffs. They're too. definitely going to be in the playoffs. And and, 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 and just as a final note with him, for me at least, um, he has transformed Dallas's defense. Like single-handedly, he has allowed all the other great players on that defense to shine and to be better and to be as a total unit be t- you know if every level is better for him having been out there and he's he's dropping back in coverage he's he's following running backs he's following receivers um and he i mean every coach that is trying to game plan against him has just talked about how it's uh, di- like Im- impossible not to have to account for him but also almost impossible to contain him so, I mean... It, now, he had a year off um, from... You which know, makes it COVID even year. more amazing, by the way. Yeah, it took well, a year off.
1: Well, I mean, and who knows? I mean, he he moved down to L.A. Like, he trained that whole year, you know. So, who knows what he, what he did to get himself into tip-top shape. But it also makes you wonder, like, two things. Number one, what might have been if he had stayed at Penn State last year, mm-hmm. you know. And number two... Like he's changed his position at Dallas, you know. He's he's been playing he's a lot prim- of, yeah. He's been playing a lot of defensive end, which mm-hmm. you know Penn State moved him from defensive end to linebacker, right? And the other thing you wonder is like, did we mishandle Micah Parsons well, in the, terms of how we here, played him?
0: Here's why he was moved because of our need for having a linebacker. That's why he played linebacker as a freshman. Do you remember that? We had we our linebacker yeah, depth do. Was very bad. We didn't have a lot of playmakers there. And by the way, that's the exact reason why Dallas moved into D end was they had a bunch of injuries at D end that they had to have him put there. They needed. But it just makes you wonder,
1: like, like when you take the best player on the field and you put him in, it would be like putting Saquon Barkley at quarterback, like or wide receiver. You what, know, it's you, like what? yeah, he, he'd be a good wide receiver, but. He'd be a much better running back. Or for, you know, just as an as an
0: example. Like team so like, needs the needs I of the many of like, anyway, the few or the one, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Very good
1: point, Spock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um good for good for Micah Parsons and glad glad that Logic. He, <laughs> Glad that he's got a a great rookie season going. It's nice nice to to know yep. that um you know another Penn State linebacker is All right. making huge waves.
0: Moving forward here, real you know we're way behind. I we we obviously we don't care. We're oh, way man. behind. We've have, we have um, derailed. <laughs> so so we have a quick a uh, last second entry for a mailbag here. This is from yeah, our wait, Don't don't oh, hold on. Oh oh, oh I'm, I'm so sorry. Get your, Get your ditty out. <laughs> <laughs> mailbag time! Ooh, so excited! You're like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're so anxious to get it. Well, get we got to keep moving here. After you after so derailed um, us, like for
1: so long, much of the time. Anyway, well, yeah. so we got a, don't t- two mailbag questions. Two, a, bad a, a, bad double, a double,
0: a uh, double from from our good buddy Joel, who has been whining and complaining from oh, his high, from his high. The man in the castle, the high high castle, is he's you know the man in the chair up la, la, the, la, upper, la, the Grand la. Teton backside. Yeah. He has apparently, you know, been very first of all, we, while we were recording this, I texted him and I said, hey why haven't we received a mailbag yet from you? You know, I said <laughs> as I called him, um, you know whining and complaining about how you know, we haven't been seeing his mailbag. He goes, oh you want a mailbag? True or false? The Blue and White Brothers should have done two smaller episodes betwixt the end of the season and the bowl game. And he said Drill. (laughs) And, uh, you know, mostly it's because he complains that he has nothing to listen to when he has. Feet on feet on feet of snow to plow and shovel at his home, which sits literally at the at the foot of the the western side of the Tetons. He said they've just gotten close to a hundred inches has fallen at his house, not even in the mountains. That's crazy. Um, um, and I'll
1: just say to everyone still listening to this, <laughs> what I said to Joel, which is, as soon as you want to sponsor us, you can dictate our recording schedule. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> yeah. This is a this is a money loser for us. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, a time
0: waste. Easter, if you will, <laughs> um, and we've experienced uh, a lot of technical difficulties today that have, that have bled into our afternoon, which typically ends up only being an, a morning time. Um, anyway, um, but here yeah. we are. So Here's the mailbag. Anyone bag. out
1: there who has um, great ideas for uh, the blue and white brothers? If you just have got send great along ideas a donation with your
0: great idea, <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally, uh, starting at two thousand dollars for yeah. <laughs> uh, managerial decision making. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and Andy doesn't right, see out right, do of that two thousand dollars either. So, uh, <laughs> so true or true or false? This is a quote must win bowl game to build towards a good twenty twenty two season. What do you think, Andy? False. I yeah. just think it's. I think it's
1: false. I, it, was, it was like we were saying with the bowl games before. Like it, it's. Uh, they're not a lot of high stakes. The, this is not the Penn State team that we saw um, finish out the year. we were we're missing our two. Linebackers. We're
0: missing our defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, uh, we're missing say, our
1: starting left tackle. Uh, we'll, and we'll Walker's injured. Right. We'll get into Walker's this, right, yeah, we'll get into this um, but it's also not the the same Arkansas team. So it really is an exhibition game to me. I th- I think it's it's uh, it's developmental. It's about trying to get this team on track for next year.
0: Yeah. If so, we don't win, it's like it's like saying, "Oh, who won the Blue and White game?" Like, who cares who won? All that matters is, did you get guys good experience, you know, playing a quote unquote game? This is more, this game to me, and I, by the way, I agree, it is false. The answer is false. This is not a must win bowl game. It would be great to win. It will, it will help to win, you know, it will certainly help to win, but it is not a must win, win. For sure. So, so the win part is to me more so for like, um, you know, just your your own like uh, like feel uh, good about on it. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like so, try to so, try to
1: end the season on
0: a positive note. To me, this this game is a more important scrimmage than the blue and white game in some respects. You know, at least for the players yeah. that are currently on the roster, like get these younger guys in there and get them experience against an SEC defense, against an SEC team in you know SEC territory for you know, and you know it's a it's a fun experience, but like I just I I want the next wave of players to get you know. Uh, some progression and development going on. That 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 is more important to me than than quote unquote winning the game. If this were the, I don't know. If of course if this were the Rose Bowl, it would mean more to win the game. you yeah. know? If it were a
1: true New Year Six Bowl, I think it would it would mean a little bit more. I think if Penn State had had a really good season that we he just fell short of the top four, it would it would I'd want to see us go out and prove that we
0: were worth. The worthy, other side of uh, yeah. Uh, the other side of the coin there is that if you do win the game, you just be a ranked SEC team. You know, so I think,
1: I think there's all upside for Penn State actually. Yeah, you know, if right Penn there, State loses, looking at it, uh, we if Penn State loses, look, we're, we're we're playing a ranked team, an eight and four SEC team, a um you know team that early in the season was was really hot and um, uh, yeah, I mean Penn State, Penn State. Losing this game doesn't really look bad for Penn state because we've looked bad all season. If we win the game and Arkansas looks half decent and we still win the game, it says, Hey, Penn state kind of found a way to play up to their potential in this exhibition game. And that will be good. But if we didn't, Oh, well, I I agree with you. It's really more about development for next year. And speaking of next year, here's the second of Joel's mailbag questions. True or false. Clifford will be our starter next year. What
0: I do you think, think, Tom? I think um, Clifford probably will be our game one starter. I would be willing to bet, barring any sort of just like in off you know off season injury setback or something like that, or 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 also barring just like, I mean, it's not it's not impossible that Drew Allard just blows him out of the water. It's not impossible, but if I were to be a betting man, I would bet that Clifford would be our game one starter. I would not bet, however, that he would be like our, our starter. game 12 starter. Yeah, I I actually would put money against him being our game 12 starter. Interesting. I mean, or I, even earlier than that obviously, but like, you know, yeah. there'll be a change at some point in the season. I would be willing to bet. I really would. I I think
1: um it's really hard to project this because a lot of it depends exactly on what you said. How good is true? Drew Alar really, you know, is he, is he head and shoulders above any other quarterback we've ever had? The moment he steps on campus, the way he throws the ball, the way he feels the pocket, the way he runs the offense, it's just, he's on a different level. And let me just say, I would love that to be true. Yeah. I would love that to be true, but um, you know, it, It's one thing to have talent in high school. It's another thing to translate it to college immediately. Yeah. And I agree that I think it's less likely that that that'll be the case. I mean, he's coming in early, right? He's coming in in January. Um, So he'll have eight months to learn the offense, you know, but Sean Clifford's had, you know, I mean, he's, he's had starting quarterback experience for three plus years. So you got to expect that that kind of experience along with the, you know, the level of talent he Clifford does possess is likely to give him the start. But I, I, to me, I think it would be thrilling if Drew Alar were that good, that he just, you know, he just looks like a phenom the moment he steps on the field. That would be so cool. But I don't, I don't know that I could say that that's going to
0: happen. Yeah. Uh, Um, I mean we've seen freshman quarterbacks do amazing things in college. We have uh, CJ we Stroud have. and obviously he wasn't true a true freshman but but the quarterback down there at uh Bryce Young, he's uh, he's a he's a freshman quarterback coming Dang, in and doing yeah. incre- incredible things. So I it's mean, not, I mean it, look at Tim uh, what, Tebow. He then he won a Heisman as a as a freshman. Yeah, and I think um, the, the guy from that. Oklahoma. He, he that we re- won as a sophomore. I'm sorry, he won as a sophomore. The
1: guy from Oklahoma this year that replaced um, Spencer Rattler, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: what, I so can't it's, his, uh, you know, Williams. I think it? the
0: hesitation anyway. for. Caleb Williams. Um, all right. Well, so we'll move forward here. But real quick, I just got an update on my phone. Uh, as expected, or at least uh, theorized, uh, so we l- Brisker is opting out of the bowl game. Uh, he just announced. Oh dang! Yeah, I knew that was. I mean, I knew that was something like that. Oh, was I mean, you got to think we could be. You know, Abiketti. Yeah, you got to think he be Dotson. these are these are these are guys that have possible first round grades and. You know, I don't. I don't hold it it against them. I do not. I get it. it, I I agree. If this was the first round of the playoff, different story, maybe.
1: (laughs) I'm sure, right? I'm sure. Yeah, Um, that's a bummer, man. I mean, it was. It's a a domino effect. It was great watching. It was great watching Brisker play this year. I'm sorry, we won't get a chance to see him again.
0: Think about this, though. If Ebiketti also opts out, that's Mm -hmm. that's literally our four best players on defense. defense. Absolutely, without without question.
1: Well, let's go ahead and talk about that bowl game because these opt-outs are going to have a major impact on what we see. Oh, yeah. Uh, This Saturday, it's a noon game. Uh, The Outback Bowl, as we already said, we're playing Arkansas. Um, And... um, Arkansas also has some opt-outs. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're not the only team that's dealing with it. And it's possible that Arkansas is not done. Um, They have their um, top wide receiver, Traylon Burks. He's out and uh, defensive lineman, Trey Williams is also out. Um, You know, so the teams that we're going to see on the field are going to be a little different from the teams that last took the field um, in December. Um, Now, one interesting thing about this matchup, and it's it's curious because, you know, Arkansas's program has a somewhat similar history to Penn State in that they were really, really good in, um, you know, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. They were sort of like, you know, still playing second fiddle to Alabama, but they were, you know, in the mix from time to time. They won a national championship in the 1960s. Um, who was their head coach? I was telling you earlier, bro, that um, – you know, there's that assistant coach award, um, Kendall Bryles, right?
0: Was that... Is that Ken no not Kendall briles no it's a Kendall Sorry. Bryles was the coach uh of the of, you know the, the, yeah. the embattled coach from Baylor during the scandal. Hey, Baylor no I don't right. <clears throat> I don't remember the what his first the the Broils Broils that's briles and Broils are two different things Royals yeah Royals <laughs> broils
1: anyway anyway um Broyles was their coach in like the 60s and 70s and and yeah a lot of uh 9, 10, 11 win seasons uh up through the 80s And then in the 1990s up till like kind of present day, they, they, they have been less impressive and, um, their, their coach this year, Sam Pittman, his his second year, um, seems to be on the path of turning them around. Um, they were eight and four this year, as I think I previously, previously said they were four and four in the sec. So again, similar, somewhat similar to Penn state. And that um, sort of even in um, their conference play, but they have a, a better record on the season than Penn State, obviously. Um, last year um, was kind of the opposite; they had a three and seven year, and um, yeah. So he's he's getting them back on track, Sam Pittman. That is, and they were formidable in the SEC this year.
0: Um, they they yeah. Go ahead, bro. No, I'm just saying they they were formidable. Um, they they will be without. Um, uh, did you mention their opt outs already? Yes, I did. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, so their 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 receiver Traylon Burks opted out, but their defensive lineman Trey Williams opted out after having a run-in with the law with a with a DUI. So fortunately, our opt-outs are are not related to anything off the field. These are guys that are you know both going to be prob- probable for the NFL, but um, it's at least good that that you know we've had our our boys staying out of the the press for the wrong reasons. They're in the press for being great players and and just deciding to make the leap. Um, on their own merits for being possible first or second rounders. So, but relating to Arkansas. One thing I just
1: want to say real quick before you jump into that, I just want to say um, in spite of that really interesting history with Arkansas and being a great football team uh, at the time when Joe Paterno was having a lot of um, undefeated seasons as well, this is the first time Penn State has ever played Arkansas. Right, in this bowl right. Game. Yeah. And so I think it's a kind of interesting factoid. And again, something sort of like playing for Pride, playing for, you know, Pennsylvania, playing for the Northeast, playing for the Big Ten, you know, against a team that you've never played before. And sort of like, let's see how you guys play football down in Arkansas. That'll be an interesting yeah. kind of wrinkle with uh, with this particular game.
0: Yeah. Um, so, uh, Andy, do you, um, so we we we've never played Arkansas before but we have played in the Outback Bowl before. Um the last time we played in the Outback Bowl, do you recall uh who who we played? Oh, uh,
1: why would you bring that up, man? There's so many other Outback Bowl members. Well, it was we an SEC play. team. It, could, was an SEC team. It, it was we an SEC team. It was an SEC team. Florida. We played,
0: we played Florida, Florida. And, and it was
1: Yeah, it was Joe Paterno's last bowl game.
0: Well, he wasn't—was it his—wait, yes, you are correct. It was his last bowl—you're right,
1: darn. It was his last bowl game. I didn't realize that. That was his last bowl game. And he lost— to an Urban Meyer coached Florida team. That's true. Oh boy! Probably one of the reasons why I hate Urban Meyer so much.
0: <laughs> Wait, was that an Urban Meyer coached football team? It yes. was. You are right, and that was his last. That wasn't that his last. That was his last season. Um, that, season. Uh, I think so. I think his and last. And then he went. And Florida. then he went and coached a 2011. Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, undefeated season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Wow. Um, so we we do not have an immediate. Good history in the Outback Bowl because our our prior time playing in the Outback Bowl prior to that was in nineteen ninety. I'm sorry, it was in two thousand. Um, oh no, yeah, it was it was the was it the ninety six year? No, we played in two thousand seven. That's right. I'm so sorry. We Bro, played, what are you doing? <laughs> what What are you even talking about right now? <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> well, I'm just trying to trying to go back in our history with with uh, Penn State in the Outback Bowl. Trying being the operative word. Well, so I specifically, well, I was trying to get to this game and specifically was the 2007 Outback Bowl. I was in the Marine Corps and I was down in SEC country in North Carolina um, and we were playing number 17 Tennessee and uh, Tony Hunt ran all over Tennessee in a slop fest down there and I watched it on Tobacco Road in Raleigh North Carolina on New Year, on New Year's Day and it was it was a great outback ball showing just watching Tony Hunt do his thing and it just made me like I've I, I watched that game somewhat recently and it just made me miss that kind of running attack man and you know if we were to ever go down and play Arkansas I I would want to be able to run the ball down Arkansas's throat yeah you know yeah.
1: It, you know you just I, you know who else would love that who Mike Yersich and James oh. Franklin?
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he J- Yersich just came out recently and said, you know, we're gonna, we're, I'm gonna figure out how to get an off, you know, a, a championship caliber offensive team together, or I'm gonna die trying. And and yeah, it he specifically said that, related to the running game, I think, and right. specifically relating to to this bowl game, they they are intent on running the ball in this bowl game. So you know, I don't know if we're gonna be able the to intent do intent and ability are yeah. two different
1: things, right?
0: So well, if, if we're we don't talking have good- about if
1: we're talking about outback bowl history though, man, you gotta bring up the fact that Penn State played in the inaugural Outback Bowl all you're, the way back you're, in nineteen eighty-nine, and we handily beat Auburn that year.
0: Hmm. Handily. So, so, <laughs> well, good for us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, here we are, are you back sure in the that? I don't bowl. think that was the first Outback Bowl. Dude, You check me on it. Well, because here's why, here's why I don't, it it was, yes, the inaugural Outback Bowl, but it was the same organization that was the Hall of Fame Bowl, so they changed the name name from the, right, so it actually started in 86 with Boston College in Georgia, but in name only, we were the first Outback Bowl, yeah. Uh, the first You are bowl. correct. You are correct. That's that. That you are right about that. All right. Good to go. I'm glad we sorted through that together here on the Blue and White Brothers, bringing you the hard hitting history. Two brothers, two takes, <laughs> two, takes uh, two histories, uh, yeah. two idiots. Yeah. Um, well, you know. Um, okay. Hey, so well, no one's listening. Let's get into what the. <laughs>
1: let's get into what this game. I'm not listening. Uh, let's get. Let's get into what this game is really about, uh, which. Is, uh, two teams taking the field uh, for an exhibition game on January first, and um, Arkansas, like I said, they had a pretty respectable season. Um, they scored more points per game than Penn State did. I'll tell you that much. Uh,
0: not hard to do. <laughs> not hard to do um, at all.
1: They uh, they had more total yards than Penn State did.
0: Also not hard to do. Uh,
1: here's a here's a real bummer, especially considering our current opt-outs. Uh, they're number thirteen the number 13 rushing team in the country at 217 yeah. yards per game. So, you know, the Arkansas I, offense his the, they're going to present some real challenges for our defense.
0: Yeah, they don't have their 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 best receiver coming in. In fact, the 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 you know Traylon Brooks led their team with 1100 yards receiving, 16.7 average, 91 yard long touchdown, uh, and 11 TDs. Um, and the next the next guy on the list there is Tyson Morris, and he had 305 receiving yards. All right, so on only two touchdowns. So the really the the passing game ran through Traylon Burks, but the run game ran through the quarterback. And the, and the offense really ran through the quarterback in um, uh, K.J. Jefferson. He passed for almost 2,600 yards, 67% completion percentage. Uh, he had 21 touchdowns and only three wait, interceptions. Wait,
1: hold, slow down, slow down. You're just throwing out those stats. And I, I think it's really important, this quarterback, who, by the way, is a running quarterback, as you yeah, just stated, get he it. also completes 67% of his passes. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this guy's accurate. Like this is a guy that is not going to be rattled. I mean, he played in some really big games this year against Alabama, against Texas A and M, against Texas, you know, and and he he played among the best teams in the country, and he played like he had, had a wins over season. fifth
0: number fifteen Texas, number seven Texas A and M, number seventeen Mississippi State. So so not only in big games, but won big games too, and and exactly. and and then they complete what put him on the map was them. Blowing the doors off number fifteen Texas, people actually were giving Texas some credit for being a decent team earlier in the season, and then Arkansas blew them out of the water forty to twenty one, and that put them on the map for for being a ranked team for the rest of the season more or less. They they, they I think they dropped out at one point, but climbed back in, and it's just you know they're a threat. That's what this team is is, is a threat with good, well coached. Uh, Good players that are well coached on both sides of the ball, and and a, and a quarterback that is a playmaker with his arms and his legs. So, yeah, um, and
1: we've really not faced
0: a true running
1: quarterback this year, or you know, an offensive system where the quarterback is is running a lot. So, yeah. that'll put some extra stress on our defense. Um, fortunately, we'll have had a little bit of time to prepare for it. But then again, as we've said. Basically, you know, three of our top four players on defense have already opted out, and I can see the forthcoming.
0: The it's writing kind on of the dom- wall. It's kind Arnold of a domino Epichetti. effect,
1: I would say. You know, Brandon Smith um, is out. Uh, Ellis Brooks is out. We just heard. Just heard El- Jaquan Brisker is out. You know, and those those were the guys that were making plays for us all year, and so when we, you know, trying to. Stop a, a, a big-time running attack with a big-time running quarterback. It's going to be tough, man. I mean, it's it, they're going to move the ball on us, you know, short of, like, guys stepping up and making plays. They're going to move the ball on us. They're going to score on us, and um, it's going to be hard to stop.
0: Yeah. Uh I mean and even if even if he doesn't have his his uh receiver Traylon on Burke to throw to and and even if we somehow bottle him up personally as a as a runner they still have four other running backs that have basically almost five well sorry three other running backs that have Five hundred yards or more rushing, and they're all averaging uh, four and a half or more yards per carry. And this, uh, you know, they they all they all score. They have twenty three rushing touchdowns uh, on the season as a team, which is uh, I, I mean, what, what does Penn State have a, as a team? Do we even know? I, it, I, can you think of of how many? Like three? <laughs> yeah, like how many <laughs> rushing touchdowns? You count them on one hand. Does probably. Penn State have? Um, <laughs> I can actually know, get I, that number
1: for you. <laughs> I think it, it. You know, we we also ought to just make a note real quick here that Sam Pittman, their head coach, he spent most of his career as an offensive line coach. Yeah. So this is. A, I would expect this to be a program that's going to be very, very hard to get negative plays against hard to get sacks against because there's just going to be a very well coached mm-hmm. line and schematically you're going to, you know, you're going to have a, a tough time. So that means on the backside, you've got to be playing very sound defense. You've got to be able to tackle in space. You've got to be able to, you know, be gap sound. Um, and, and, you know, and, uh, if we, <laughs> if we don't, Perform in that way; it's going to be really bad
0: <laughs> hey, for one, our defense. Fun fact, by the way, about our rushing attack: uh, six rushing touchdowns for our running backs this year. Six total. So we we are short on uh, playmakers. Did you say six? Um, six. Six. this, this was not. Uh, this was not for
1: our one of our
0: running backs. This is for our this all for of our running the, backs. The whole team? No, 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 no. For all of the running backs uh, that we have, actual running backs. Uh, got Cl- it. Clifford had two. Uh, Tyler Warren, the backup tight end, had two. Jahan Dotson had one. And then our running backs had six. Total, so eleven Six. total for the team. Eleven total for the team. Um, so, so it, it doesn't bode well for going up against a physical uh, team that is going to take away, you know, our probably our best threat. That's if we have Jahan Dotson playing in the game. That's if, you know. So, it's going to be a test, man, in terms of trying to win the game. I, I just, it's, there. I think Arkansas probably feels like they have more to prove than we do, and are probably going to come into the game. You know, like Penns. I feel like this has been a letdown year for Penn State, whereas Arkansas feels like they are they are fighting for a higher ranking this season, right? To to go to nine wins as opposed to going to to five losses. Penn State is like, well, we can come to go to eight wins, but we won't be ranked to finish the season. When was the last time Arkansas finished ranked? I don't know, but it wasn't recent. You know, so so this is this is them having more on the table to yeah. Yeah, at stake for them for for sure. Yeah, Yeah. I I feel that way, and and it'll be it'll be interesting to see if Franklin can squeeze that kind of mentality out of the plug and play backups that we're going to need to have uh, performing for us on both sides of the ball because we got Rasheed Walker out. You know, Jahan Dotson could come ahead, come out, and say that he's not going to be playing in the game. That'll just be interesting, man. It'll just be interesting to see if they if if they do treat it like a developmental game, will they still try and like attack to win? Will they still
1: yeah? And motivation, I think, is gonna. I mean, in all of these bowl games, I think you see motivation is is a huge factor. You yeah. know, um, and then you know just how many pieces you're trying to sort of fit together is going to be another big factor. Uh, Before we talk about the overall picture, though, um, we also need to just talk a little bit about the defense uh, for Arkansas. Yeah. and they're a little bit less. Um, I mean, they're 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 a good, solid defense, right? Yeah, they're they're forty sixth nationally, so you know, not in the top twenty or anything like that. Not in the top ten, but solid all around. Um, you know, pretty decent on um, their their passing defense. Uh, they're forty fourth. They're pretty these de- not quite as good on rushing defense. Seventy third. I imagine
0: as- they will look like world beaters. Against <laughs> they them. will,
1: um, you know, which you know, the fact that they're a little better on passing defense is going to be a challenge, I think, for Penn State because mm-hmm. that's where sure. our yards have come. Yeah, you know, so if they if they can you know make it hard for us either through their rushing, you know, you know by rushing the passer or you know playing um, good coverage, you know. I don't, we're not going to be able to run our way to victory in this game, I don't think. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think that's a better matchup for Penn State, our offense on their defense, um, now,
0: yeah, they, they on might paper not have, anyway. They might not have an elite defense from a national ranking perspective, but they do have some key players that are will can, can pose matchup problems for us. Uh, they, they have a couple of linebackers that are really, really good Um in fact, they have. I think all their linebackers are are pretty darn good. Uh, Bumper Pool, great name. Um, he are he you serious? Yep, that's the Bumper Pool. Wow, right? <laughs> he's their just leading tackler. It, like mom and Dad
1: just went for it there. That, that's awesome. Uh,
0: I believe he's their leading tackler with 120 tackles. He has seven and a half of those tackles for loss. So he's a you know a, pro- a producer in the sa- in the um, tackling department, but also can get after you in the backfield. Um, Linebacker Grant Morgan was the Burlesworth Trophy winner, which is given to um, the most outstanding walk-on in the country, former walk-on especially. Uh, Matt McGloin was a previous winner of of that uh, award years ago. Um, And then linebacker Hayden Henry leads Arkansas uh, with tackles for loss with 10.5. He also has three sacks and 94 tackles. So they have a – speaking of, you know, earlier we were talking about the Penn State linebacking core. They have a great linebacking core. They have a really good, third, you know, second level, three good linebackers that that'll get after us and plug the holes and and play sideline to sideline. Um, they he, they also have a defensive back in Monteric Brown who was an SEC leader in interceptions with five. All right, and Uh-oh. uh oh, and it was good for second <laughs> in the country. He also had five pass breakups too. So, I mean, he could lock down whoever our uh, top receiver is in the game, and if it's not. If it's not Jahan Dotson playing, that poses a problem for us. If he's locking down uh, Parker Washington, because after Parker Washington,
1: yeah, yeah, Keandre Lambert
0: w- produced decently this season, but he didn't really take that like a monumental leap. He took a leap, but so if if we don't have Jahan Dotson and and Parker Washington's covered by that guy, uh, Keandre Lambert will be uh, looked to 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 take that leap, take a leap at least forward from what he was doing for the majority of the season. Um, And then, you know, lastly but not leastly, special teams, um, Cam Little, their kicker, sits 14th in the country with 1.58 field goals per game and 24th in the country with an 82.6 field goal percentage. So, in a game that might not have its full complement of, uh, you know, key offensive players, uh, points will, could be a, a premium, and and field goals will could, could you know could play a, a key role. In, yeah, and in, as uh,
1: we've seen, that's a, a liability for Penn State. At, yeah, it's been this year. But so. we have
0: a good punter, a great punter, who yeah. hopefully is playing in the game. By the way, uh, <laughs> we hope he's not opting out of the game. I can't can't imagine that he would. Oh, geez. But, but that <laughs> the would. Day that, a punter? The, the day a punter opts out? Is it a low day? I mean, he is He, he is going to be a draft pick. Like. Uh, you know not punters aren't aren't typically regarded as you know drafted you know getting draft grades he has a draft grade. He is a weapon. If you would go go and look at what um, uh, Blake Gilligan is doing in the in for New Orleans and the Saints, uh, he yeah, he is yeah, a weapon for them. He is a point. huge weapon. for them. He was drafted, so um, there's 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 certain punters every year that they get a draft grade. This guy's one of them. But however, he's not a, a threat to be you know getting injured in contact. So let's hope that he doesn't decide to off. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, well, look. Um, what do you, what do you expect to see in
0: this game bro um I, I i i don't have high expectations for penn state's performance in this game i re, i really do not um i you know it, we're, we're somehow favored by one i don't know how uh, especially with losing brisker that could change um i just want to see a competitive game i want to see the team fighting and and i want to see the team in it you know, I'm gonna see. Uh, keep it within one score would be great. I don't want to. You know what I really don't want to see, Andy, What's is 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 the opposing team going out in the first quarter and going up by two scores against us. I don't want to see. I don't want yeah, to a runaway. Flat. I don't want to see you know? like. I would be great to see like Clifford commanding outs. A, Yeah, we've had those games, and that's the last thing that I want to see from this team. And I want to see a game plan that actually makes sense to suit our strengths, but... But that's obviously not gonna help from the developmental standpoint. If all you want to do is win, then I'd say, hey, s- screw it, you know, just go air raid, full, all out, like two yeah. two tight ends at all times, sending running backs, uh, down, you know, down the field, <laughs> you know, like what, just get the ball, push the ball down the field through the air. Uh, and I would love to see Clifford being sharp, throwing for over seventy percent completion. But I just don't see it from what I'm hearing. I anticipate us attempting to get this uh, run game going yet again and i don't anticipate us being able to do it
1: (laughs) yeah i I think i think you know given given the way that our defense matches up with their offense i think the all likelihood arkansas is going to score and the the only way we win the game is if our offense really gets humming i mean we very rarely sniffed 30 points in our whole season you know and it was like against you know Villanova or whatever. So you know something substantive will have had to will had will have to have changed between the last game of the season and now for us to really be able to open it up up on offense. Either like you said, we're just going to abandon the running game, you know, to try to have some fun and get some points, or you know what I think is much less likely is that we're going to actually have a running game that works and we actually hold onto the ball, we run the ball, we pound it and uh, get major yardages through the ground and, and and ended up being able to win the game because our offense outscores their offense. I think that's how we win the game if we win it. But I think because uh, it seems clear that Yursich and Franklin are determined to figure out how to run the ball, that we're not going to be able to get the points that we need. Not when you know, we
0: have makeshift uh offensive line happening with yeah, exactly. injuries exactly. and bringing in younger kids trying to assess their talent and, and um you know their abilities against an SEC opponent. So uh, yeah, if they're trying to get the run game going with with that if happening by some miracle so what
1: we can figure out uh, if by some miracle we can figure out how to run the ball, I think we have a good chance to win. But I, I well, just here's I see the, here's that as question. a one in hundred chance to, to actually get it going.
0: Here would have been a great mailbag question from someone. Who will get the majority of the carries in this game? <laughs> who do you think will get the majority of the I carries hold. in this game? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, I wouldn't even put it past them. Uh, um, no. It should be yeah. Keevan
1: Lee. 100% should be Kevon Lee.
0: It should be, but who will be? Well, I, I think like the
1: a- other big question is, will we get a chance to see Dotson? Will Dot- I mean, Dotson's been a guy that has been team first. The last two years. And I, I, you know, as much as I could totally see him deciding to you know, put his NFL future first at this point, I could also see him being the kind of guy that at this point decides that he's going to come back for his last game. And, you know, is he going to have the kind of game that just sort of, you you know, puts his puts the cherry on top of a great Penn State career? That would be really fun. And I would really love to see that.
0: I mean, if I'm James Franklin, I am not. (laughs) I'm not telling him to play. I'm. I'm I'm not asking him to play. No, I. I Anything I'm telling him, he shouldn't play. Like that's if you were just being, you know, uh, if you were just being a coach who wanted to win, you'd be like, "We need you, man." But. Um yeah, I just I'm not sure anyone in their right mind would tell that guy you, you should play one last game. The only person who would say, you know, I'm playing, the only person who would it would be him just being like, I want to. Yeah, that he
1: feels that it's important for himself and his character and his own experience at Penn State.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I could uh, see it, I, I, I could I don't see it. Rule it out. I don't rule it out. Well, you know,
1: I mean, and you could always go the, you know, the Saquon Barkley treatment, you know, which in the 2017 Fiesta Bowl, he played some of the first half, but there was a lot more. Miles Sanders, yeah. in that Fiesta Bowl yeah, yeah. I mean, than we saw. I, I the would whole anticipate rest of that, that year. For
0: any any like if if if, our, if played, if Jahan Dotson played, I would anticipate that from both of them. If anything, I do not see Jahan Dotson playing a full game in a close game. I just don't. I, it, it would be you know just seeing what happened to shorter in in his bowl game I, I you know that was a that was a teammate of jahan dotson's you know um there's got to be some aspect of that that like leaves an impre- and a lasting impression on should i play in this bowl game against you know in in covid times and 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 when this game means almost nothing and if it is being treated as a <laughs> you know developmental game for these younger guys like okay and then of course you know you see all your other you know uh, leaders on 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 the Penn State team are like yeah we're opting out you know which by the way this is the first season first yeah. bowl game in Penn State history where anyone has ever opted out so right. this is new to Penn State yeah it is the the bug it's like, finally it's like been a domino us. effect yeah. is what it seems like so I don't know and by the way with with this Rashid Walker injury. Um, Do I I like is he capable of coming back next year? I mean, he is capable of coming back, but will he? Like, is he? Is it not a? You know, starting the season this year, he had he had just decided to come back, foregone his early entry into the NFL, but then kind of put up a full blown clunker and then finished the season with an injury. I don't see him having maximized his potential for the NFL this year. Does that mean he wants to come back and try and get it right, so to speak? Um, or is who he, knows? It, it, will it, he
1: transfer to another program where he can have
0: yeah, better success
1: or a new, you know, what? I, I, it's it's who knows? Who knows at this point? And you know, obviously, tune in day by day for all of these developments. Even after the bowl game, we're gonna um, you know hear you know from players who ha- we haven't heard from yet that that may you know decide you know let us know that they're going to be heading to the NFL. Rashid Walker could be one of them but um, uh, you know I, I guess for me I, you know i don't i don't expect penn state to win i think we can i, I think we can win but i don't <laughs> so expect wait, to win
0: so are we getting a game prediction here
1: i'm not going to predict i'm just sort of saying what i'm hoping for I, I don't think it's worth predict i,
0: I don't I, there's it, too many it's unknowns it's possible it's like too impossible. many unknowns but if you you know if i held a gun to your head and said if you don't predict i will kill you Go for it. It's on you. (laughs) It is on you. He's going to die for his right to not,
1: (laughs) not (laughs) predict. I, you know, I, what I hope is that Penn state will, will, you know, be competitive and look, look decent. You know, that, that, what was it? The, um, the Kentucky citrus bowl. Uh, What was it? You know, it it just, that left such a bad taste in my mouth. We looked so bad. We just could not get anything going there was no magic to was that
0: kind of game you think uh, that's
1: what i'm hoping to avoid you know what i mm. mean like I, I don't care so much if we lose but i care if we look just pathetic doing it and here's, um, here's what uh, we have looked pathetic I'm at predict. times this year and then there were then there were some games you know that we lost this year that we that we looked okay and we just didn't win I, that's what i would hope for that's what i want
0: i just don't want to look like a bunch of bozos hey what's your prediction bozo uh, let's hear it. The under is 48. Does that help you at all? No, we're a one point favorite right now. So what's that? You know,
1: 20, 24 to 25. <laughs> sure.
0: Yeah. A little less, but yeah, if you want to, you want to pick it that <laughs> I, I mean, way. I, I don't
1: think that's how the game's going to go. Listen, I, if know. we
0: have, a, if we want a single shot at winning this game, Clifford has to will us to victory. That's all there is to it. you want to, you, you're coming back Clifford, next year, Sean? Got- you coming back next year, Sean? You better send us into the offseason with some 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 optimism about your play.
1: You better. If Clifford if Clifford throws for over 70% completion rate and 300 yards with no interceptions, that's a good chance that we win that game. If we rush for 175 yards there's a good chance we win that if either of those two things happen there's a good chance that we win the game well, uh, but latter's not gonna happen I what I'm I'm just saying I, I agree I agree I, I mean there are a couple of factors that could sort of spin it I if we score over 35 points there's a good chance we win the game but I I, I don't think any of those things are likely um you know I think I think we probably end up scoring less than 20 points. And I think, <laughs> I think
0: <laughs> that will be, that in and of itself will be like Kentucky Citrus Bowl letdown. That that right? If we score less than twenty, that will be rough. And <laughs> that will be rough sending us into the off season knowing we couldn't even like score out of the teens against Arkansas. If we try to we really run the will. ball I mean, that'll like be tough. we have, I, I think. I think I think we're gonna. I think Clifford's gonna have three touchdowns, whether it's two passing and one uh, rushing. However, it looks, he's gonna score three touchdowns, and you know maybe we gotta a somehow magically get a like a defensive touchdown or a, some 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 very timely um, defensive turnovers, and and our field goal kicking is on par for once. I think we can squeak out a victory. I do. I think we can. I don't anticipate it and I don't expect it, but I don't think it's a, a, a foregone conclusion that we cannot definitively w- I mean e- win
1: the even game. even three touchdowns and two field goals that's 27 points. I I still think I still think Arkansas scores more than that. I think they, um, I think Arkansas scores. The Arkansas only, scores like thirty four. The,
0: the other strange variable here is that neither of these teams have played for, in a while. So who knows who who I, has? Again, that's that's the other. Yeah, I, yeah. How
1: do you predict? <laughs> yeah. How do you predict? I mean, so it, you know, gun to my head, you know, twenty four to thirty five. Arkansas sounds reasonable. Okay, so you're but saying thirty five. That's being tw- optimistic about Penn State and optimistic about Arkansas, which is sort of how okay. I'm feeling.
0: Okay, but, I'm gonna say we're gonna we're gonna win twenty four. <laughs> I'm gonna say it. I'm just gonna. That's my prediction. That's what predictions are for. Yeah, you know we're putting it on putting pen to paper here. All right, put my name on it. Twenty four to twenty one.
1: So you, there you have it. Penn State beats number twenty one Arkansas in the Outback Bowl, twenty four to twenty one. Tom and you think thirty
0: five to twenty four Arkansas wins?
1: Uh, something like that. I mean. What a I, I have no idea. I have no. What
0: a horror. I've, We're going undefeated next year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, look, I we've started and stopped this recording a couple times. I don't even know how long this it's show over is. Two at hours. This is it's
0: it's we are we have lo- we have derailed. <laughs> we have lost. We have, contain. <laughs> you know this episode has made me think uh, that we should make all these segments that we do into individual episodes that are more digestible th- throughout the week and just post all the
1: episodes. Right. That's an interesting brainstorm. Here you go on air, <laughs> unedited. <laughs> if you guys think that's a good idea, let us know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but um, man. anyway, we get, we're going to wrap this up. Um, we what are your
0: planning thoughts to- on life, Andy. Yeah,
1: well, that'll be its own episode. <laughs> um, we're going to recording um, it here. We're gonna have one more episode this season. Uh, it'll be after the bowl game. We don't know yet the schedule because uh, my brother Tom has decided to go take a vacation with his girlfriend. They're going somewhere. Yeah, who don't know when who we're knows when, you that next or for episode. how long. Sorry, um, but but it will be. It'll be within a week or so of uh, the bowl game, and uh, might be. Might be a few days after. Might be a week or so after. But we'll we'll get you back and, and we'll sort of tie up all the loose ends from the season uh, again.
0: If you want to dictate our schedule, we're happy to receive donations. Uh, it's just that we have lives that aren't d- totally revolving around creating this podcast. So yeah, the
1: apologies. other important people in our lives would be much more forgiving if they knew we were bringing Wiley from this labor of love. But in any case, we're glad to do it. Um, We're glad you all are joining us. Uh, Thanks for sticking with us through um, (laughs) a nearly complete second season of the Blue and White Brothers. Um, Suggestions, comments, questions, concerns, uh, snide remarks, uh, please feel free to send them to us. Uh, Email us, blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. Until we Talk to you again. Uh, have a great holiday season. Uh, have a happy new year. And Merry bro, Christmas and happy uh, new year. Always starts with I love you.
0: And it ends with I love you. <laughs> it always starts with I love you. It always ends with I love you.
1: <laughs> goodness. Uh, love you, bro.
0: Love you. We are <laughs> Penn State. <laughs> thanks for listening to the blue and white brothers join us next time for another great episode about penn state football want to make sure you don't miss an episode be sure to hit subscribe before you go and if you enjoyed the show please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise